Everybody and welcome back to some interseason goodness from the sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Now put your clothes back on and I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That's really nice of you to say so. Put your clothes back on, Jack. No, we we know the no rules of for you. podcasting and sequelizers. That's why you all have all those leather sofas. I miss those leather sofas in in sequelizers studios. <laughs> AKA Matt's living room. <laughs> it's just not the same recording remotely, you know. <laughs> the ice cream dipping down my naked leg. <laughs> That's getting cut. <laughs> I'll say like we're three of the palest white dudes in the history of the world, but you know, we're we're the vanilla ice creams <laughs> of podcast hosts. And that's saying something. And also joining us, also as always, it's Tim Matum. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? No, I have to do my intro. That feels like an attack, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I always do the same intro. You should know this by now. I never say hello. <laughs> I say Tim. And then wait, and then, what and do then. you say? I say hello, everybody. That's my intro. But I don't say hello like a normal person. I say I, like I actually a... genuinely didn't know for a minute. I, just, I, <laughs> I think what I We've do is like, like when you hundred episodes. Yeah, when we start recording, I tune out and go fuck, 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 fuck. What am I going to say? Have you I and I have been on every single episode of this. I think. Yeah. So yep. yeah, no excuse yep. not to know the intro at this point. I mean, you say that. <laughs> and I also we also edit them, so it's not like I haven't heard it twice fucking over. Well, exactly. Yeah, we hear every episode two or three times <laughs> at this point. True. True. This episode is actually a follow-up to a previous interseason episode where we discussed the first half, essentially, the, the early era of a legendary film series, a legendary film character. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the more modern, the later half, the, what, since the 80s through to, essentially, the present day, and even with a film due to come out very soon, which was already supposed to be out previously, but it's <laughs> sort of still coming out in the future. But I'm not going to tell you what that is just yet. I'm going to tease you, ladies and gentlemen. Let you try and work that one out. Because before we get to that, I'd like to say thank you to our patrons on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and support us at various different tiers for various different rewards. You get ad-free and early access to the episodes. You get bonus content and completely extra bonus episodes in full during interseason stuff. It's not just outtakes and all the other fun stuff. You get full episodes as well. In fact. There's going to be multiple ones during this interseason. It's a, it's a barrel of laughs, ladies one, and gentlemen. One can... just went up last week. Exactly. And there's more to come. We've got some good stuff coming up as well. Various different tiers, various different rewards, including the people at the upper tiers. These executive producers are Mr. Mike Salvia. Bond. James Bond. Jonathan Firth-Clark. My name's Bond. James Bond. Stuart Maine. My name is Bond, James Bond. Tyler Rogers. Bond, James Bond. Andrew Steen. The name's Bond, James Bond. The man known as Xenos. Bond, James Bond. And Joshua van der Sluis. Uh, Bond, <laughs> James Bond. Oh yes, Mr. Bond. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for supporting us at the highest of tiers, our executive producers. And if you'd like to join them, 
you can do as well. And if you'd like to get a shout out on the show, go and check out patreon.com slash sequelizers. So, gentlemen, we return once again to the Bond series. We're back like that one where Sean Connery left and then came back again, but it's <laughs> sort of not canon, but not really canon. We're back. And we're talking about basically all the way through from Timothy Dalton up to and including the current Daniel Craig stuff. Despite the fact Daniel Craig said, if I make another James Bond movie, I'll slit my wrists. <laughs> There's still one coming. It might be out by the time you hear this thing, because who knows what's happening with it that might, movie. It might never come out. It might never come yeah. out. <laughs> and might, we might will. all we'll be more die regular. and there'll be a, another apocalypse on top of the pandemic. <laughs> and electricity will just, there will be a worldwide EMP and the film never comes out. And then there will be time to die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a Matthew tangent. If I right, that, was, that absolutely was. <laughs> um, so just a summary of what we discussed last time, ladies and gentlemen. Previously on Sequelizers, Ooh. Bond in it. So now Early we're moving Bond. on. <laughs> Classic no, um, Bond. Yes, we talked about the films running from Doctor No to A View to a Kill, about the various. Uh, Things set up the traditions of the franchise. Your Moors, your Conneries, your, your early classic Bonds, your, your Lazenbees. Singular. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. And um, this is a weird transition because unlike things like, say, that have been retired for some time and then come back, we had all the uh, tropes and cliches at the end of the day, but traditions of people like, ah, it's not a Bond film if this doesn't happen. If you don't have this as Bond, you know, the, the iconic identifiers, shall we say. Um, so essentially speaking, we were talking about where the franchise not only started, but really jettisoned, launched, and, and became a huge, huge part of British culture, which is a very strange thing to say, but it is genuinely a big part of British culture. It's now the, I think, sixth or fifth highest grossing film series of all time, whatever it is. And there's like officially 25 or six or whatever there are. I, I, again, no time to die is a tricky one. We'll get to that later. But. Unlike something that's been retired for a while and come back in that modern sense, this is a complete handover immediately. And we were talking about towards the end of the franchise, the Roger Moore stuff getting a bit silly and very tropey and just very, um, not necessarily tongue in cheek, but just very self-aware and a parody of itself, as it were. And st still doing good numbers, still making tons of fucking money, but tailing off a bit. Um, and there was the odd, there was the odd moment when uh, John Glenn, the director, came in to do For Your Eyes Only, which did not feel like a Roger Moore film. It felt almost like a bit of a, a bit of reboot. So you had Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Who Loved Me, and these were very just very Bond films. And also, I'd say they had three fantastic Bond films and pretty good Roger Moore films. And then everybody's favorite, Moonraker. <laughs> Moonraker and. <laughs> Before Your Eyes Only was a change-up in the 80s. Like, this is a film for the 80s. It's a very different thing. Um, and I don't know what the reception was like at the time, but it wasn't as... It, it's, it's basically, it was a Timothy Dalton film. Now, this is important because John Glenn, I think, at this point, is still the man who has directed the most Bond films. At like that is correct, months. yes. Yeah. And he, he did five in a row, which is That's right, impressive. exactly. And that's kind of the key point. Five in a row. He came on at For Your Eyes Only. And also did the two Dalton films. And this was like 1985, View to a Kill, 1987, Living Daylight's New Bond. 
I mean, <clears throat> I know we get spin off things like the Bourne Legacy, but that wasn't someone else playing Jason Bourne. That wasn't something that's been running at that point for what twenty fucking years. It was the idea twenty five years, in fact. It was the idea that this was a, a a very planned, very calculated thing. Not like, oh, who are we going to do now? We're going to find it. This has been working in the background for quite some time. Um, and I think, again, we'll come to discuss that because one of the biggest gaps is the one from basically my childhood, my introduction. There's always been just bond, 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 bond. Keep the franchise going. Keep it going. Keep it Every going. Every couple of years, they churn one out pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And that's still the case now, except production values have changed slightly. So it's a little bit longer between films. Not, and no time to die might never come out. So. And that will, of course, <laughs> that, that no will soon to... be the longest time. Yeah, because wasn't it scheduled to come out? Was it the end of twenty nineteen? Yeah, so. yes, yeah, it's, it's got pushed October. back about six or seven times <laughs> for various reasons, including the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Madness entirely. Um, so Timothy Dalton comes in, Living Daylights. The Living Daylights is very much a Roger Moore Bond film. It's pretty good, but it's more esque. And that makes sense because everyone by their scenes is the same thing. The same production team, yeah. But then you get License to Kill, which is a very, very unique, singular thing and very different. So again, just to, just to, before we start getting into this properly, the Bond franchise wasn't like it was dead. We, we separated it for a reason here. But if you were to actually say, oh, where did Bond go away and come back? Where did it like, get revived properly? It's like, I guess the 90s, the answer. The problem, uh, yeah, because yeah. you mentioned because... the longest gap there. That's the gap between License to Kill in 89 and then GoldenEye in 95. Mm. That six-year gap between the two of them is the longest gap between until Bond recently. films until <laughs> until No Time to Die never comes out. But that's through yeah. no fault of the studio itself. They weren't planning that. So this was a yeah. proper, like, we need to find someone else kind of thing. Um, so the, the, the interesting thing is, the reason these films feel separate to me personally, the reason we made the divide where we did, and the reason we won't be talking about, you know, the Conneries and the Moors and the Lazenby so much, is because while those tropes have been brought in, the world basically changed. The Cold War, now, the Cold War is such a strange thing, because I remember, I heard of an American friend who said the Cold War was won by the Americans, like, Nobody won the Cold War, motherfucker. It just stopped. <laughs> it just kind of stopped, right? Yeah. yeah. The Soviet Union sort of just imploded. Um, but at the same time, those sentiments are still harbored by the individuals who survived it or understand it. You still, to this day, have Russians who say, ah, things were better under the Soviet Union because they, were, they felt that capitalism is essentially too evil. You don't have a place and yada, yada, yada. That's, again, any, any form of progress, you'll always get someone saying, well, I'm not sure about this feminism," said this lady. And like, I'm, I, what? It's like, well, you know, I like being in a, a thing that's comfortable. And it's like, right. And you don't mm. want to, you know, say, well, you can't say that, Soviet man who's experienced both the Soviet Union <laughs> and the capitalism, and therefore you probably have a unique perspective because I, this Western man, assume you are wrong. But, um, the world did change. The nature of spying changed. The bad guy in inverted commas changed. And also, the attitude towards women was slowly starting to change, very publicly at least. Maybe not actually in real life, but there was a public push for, um, no, you can't, you can't do this, you misogynist, a piece of shit. So where does Bond exist? And I think, to be honest with you, as much as I enjoy a lot of these movies, they have been circling that question for the last... I mean, the moral of the story for the last 10 films has been, where, wh- what 
is a world for Bond. Is a Bond a thing anymore? <laughs> is there still a place in 20 insert year for James Bond? Maybe. We don't know. He's an old dog who can't learn new tricks. Even though we just saw his origin story in the previous movie. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense. And I know we'll mm. talk about that later on because there's an interesting theory behind that. <laughs> so essentially speaking, the world changed. This franchise had to change. Hence, you have a little bit of a pause. I think it was in the process of changing in the more period. It was a trying to adapt. But this is where it first feels like something is distinctly different, shall we say. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way that there's a tension between Bond being seen as a kind of unambiguous hero in the during the Cold War years, where mm. like having being a spy could be something that you that you hold up as heroic. Um, mm. Like I always, uh, you know, uh, there's a, a quote from a comic book that I remember, um, kind of referencing the Incredible Hulk where it's like, yeah, back in the 60s, a guy who was designing a bomb could be seen as a hero, you know, um, because because who are the who are the bombs going to be thrown on? Russians. It's fine. Soviets. Bad guys. Yeah. Um, and there's a very interesting tension between back in the, the 60s, the 70s, the early 80s, where a, a spy could be seen as something that was kind of a, even though they are acknowledged to be doing sneaky shit, they were kind of seen as because there was this monolithic entity that they were fighting against, a spy could be a hero. And since then, there's been increasing acknowledgement of like, oh no, like, like governments all around the world are up to some truly horrendous shit. And a spy, you know, a covert agent is not necessarily holding them up as something that's like, oh, this is, this is heroic and, and, any any kind of moral purity does not really exist. Um, I think it's really fascinating that, like, the because the the closest we got to returning to that post Cold War was around nine eleven, and the the immediate post nine eleven the war bond on terror was die another day, which completely yes. shat the bed. Um, oh God! What a and then bed. and then you and then. By 2006, the approach to, which is when Casino Royale comes out and you get mm. uh, a Bond that more than ever is kind of morally compromised, the the spirit among a lot of people of, of the kind of post 9-11, oh, it's, you know, it's the great Western allied powers versus, you know, this, you know, is Islamic fundamentalism, that had kind of spoiled by being the Iraq war and stuff. And we were getting mm. a lot, we were getting a lot of like 24 and stuff, which even though that's very jingoistic, it's also like, no, if you're a spy, you've got to make these moral compromises and you've got to torture people for the greater good and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and what we associated with spies became a lot more morally ambiguous. And so it's difficult for Bond to operate in the spirit that it once did, where he's like, yeah, he's just flying around on a jetpack and having sex and <laughs> blowing up commies. And it's like, uh, no, because like, there's like who are we to say he's right he's in the right yeah entirely there is also the very real impact of because of you know just the 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 evolution of spying as it were is gone from hang on if this guy does this there'll be very real impacts at home it won't just be a case of and he's won the war and it's like no 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 incidentally there's a quote similarly to tim's comment quote 
um, which I think nails not only the British mindset of spying, but the, the mindset of spying around the entire world for all generations. And it's from Blackadder. And it's the comparison. At one point, they're trying to say, we need to uh, root out, there's a German spy somewhere. It's just in World War One. And uh, General Melcher says, filthy Hun weasels fighting their dirty underhand war. And then he goes, but of course, you know, one of our spies, a brave, splendid fellows, <laughs> heroes risking their life and limb for blighty. And it's like, nope, that's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it genuinely is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Oh. I'm going to do a thing you may not be aware of. In the previous Bond episode, Tim wrote something down on a piece of paper. It was a prediction <laughs> at the start. And then you know what? That moment is coming to fruition. I'm definitely going to talk about it. Didn't last time, but I'm going to do now. Matt talks about marmalade. Okay. <laughs> so basically, I always bring this up as an example because it's always hilarious to me. How do we illustrate the Bond is cool? How do we illustrate that spying is cool and sexy? And obviously it changes slightly, but when you're reading something like Casino Royale, the book, the original, um, the idea of a spy isn't just this man serving queen and country and best of us, and you know what? He's going to save the ballet day. And what's more, he doesn't need a pat on the back. He's a real British man. So, you know, he gets a fucking stiff one from a nod from the queen. Shouldn't he have to give it? He knows it's there. Like, what the fuck are you on about? That kind of, you know, jingoistic Patreon, uh, sorry, Patreon. <laughs> Patriotic nonsense. Welcome um, to or... jingoisticpatreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the patriotic nonsense, it's like very much a, you know, a fictionalized version of what it actually is. But because in the book, in order to, <laughs> in inverted commas, blend into different societies, which obviously is not what, uh, it's how we think of spies. It's a guy in a tuxedo who goes to a party and says, hello. I am also a Russian. <laughs> what? As opposed uh, well, to... Well, well, well. Let me tell you my real name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what my name we is. We will get into that, yeah. that's for sure. But at the same time, it's the idea of what's, what's a spy? A network of locals who are working on your side who you'll eventually betray. That's what spying tends to be these days. That's where Bond always has a bit of trouble later. But for a certain generation, probably our parents' generation and older, spying is... You have to travel the world. And travel isn't a thing that the common person can do, not easily. And what's that? You have to be refined. You have to be able to blend in with these ambassadors and things. So you must know all about certain things, like, like Dom Perignon. Oh, what's, what is this Dom Perignon? Oh, it's actually <laughs> champagne. You have to know what you're talking about. And what kind of fancy things would you have? I'll tell you what you'd have. You'd wake up in the morning and have marmalade on toast. <laughs> can you imagine oranges in a spread? <laughs> oh, you are living the luxury, sir. And it's like, no, you can get that from Tesco for like, you know, 60p. Um, I was like, oh, wait, he has olives. Where does he get these? Things? You know, it's a, he's acquired a worldly taste because he's a travel, that kind of shit. Whereas a contemporary audience would go, there's nothing special about you. And so, oh, he's got a Brooks Brothers suit or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, that, bond, that, that brand means nothing to me. It doesn't seem very expensive. Um, is he drinking shots of Louis XIII or something? Because otherwise I'm not going to know if it's <laughs> expensive or not. Um, and he's got, oh, he's got an Omega now or a Rolex. It has to be like a you know, fancy, Ooh, expensive Rolex. shit. No. Omega. Pause. <laughs> nice. to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Product yeah, placement. Yeah, exactly. So the, the things we had previously, because I mentioned before, I think, I think I mentioned at least, KFC was the first product placement in film and it was in a Bond film. 
and then that became a very identifying factor. Not just that he was associated with all these fancy fucking things, and he travelled the world, and he was this man of taste. It had to be that he is, you know, literally a fucking mannequin selling shit to you, selling a lifestyle. But for a contemporary audience, that means international meddling, which has, again, real-world impact where London is going to get bombed, as, you know, we've seen these things do happen. And at the same time, we're in a very digital age, which he has no, he's a, he's a hammer. He doesn't understand that stuff. And, and additionally, all we see as a modern audience is like, so he uses these women sexually to get answers and they die. Yes. And he doesn't contract any STDs. And he's the hero. <laughs> and he's the hero. This is the guy we're rooting for. Yes. Why? England? England. <laughs> England, the nation who is going through a lot of lot of really awful isolationist shit right now, who, let's face it, not a good place to be for a lot of reasons. And you're like, yeah, that one. It's like, cool. Long live the empire, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting how you talk about how, like, in the 60s and 70s, Bond was this jet setter and it was seen as a very mm. aspirational thing. Mm. And one of the franchises that came along in the 2000s when Bond was hitting some kind of choppy waters was the Bourne films. And they are equally like travelling around a lot, um, at least in the first couple. Um, but the aesthetic that they use, rather than being like, oh, this is a thing of luxury, it's mm. kind of a, a shitty student backpacking around aesthetic, yeah. which is what... like. Oh, like you go, oh, you know, you jet off for a few years and, you know, bum around Eastern Europe or bum around Down Asia. Um, you know, he's going to check out Goa because that's where all the fucking students go and come back and go like, oh, I've become enlightened. And oh, let me introduce you to this. Have you ever tried chai? It's so like, oh, man, it's so completely different to the tea we have here. Um, and, Go on, gap year. Yeah. Um, and, and it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. How those as travel has become more accessible and the things that we associate with with wealth and stuff have, have shifted slightly um, to the point now where a lot of the signifiers with, which we associate with Bond, we also associate with an old world point of view. Um, a lot of the, the, the things that he's associated with have become very stuffy and so that's... Filmmakers have had to kind of contend with that uh, and negotiate their way through it because because people want to see bond doing the things that they recognize bond doing but equally the other connotations that those things have has shifted as society has changed i think that's especially true with the daniel Craig era when like you said when you get the 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 born stuff and the kind of reinvention of action films and cinematography and all that like hard-hitting close-cut punch-ups and all this kind of stuff it's all gritty and realistic and it Bourne hasn't got a bunch of gadgets. He kills motherfuckers with pens. <laughs> yes. All that kind of stuff. That really felt like a... I feel like the Craig era more than anything else, and it, and it literally is a reboot of the series mm. to, oh, yeah. you know... In, in some people's eyes, everything else is canon. Like, up up from from Connery to <laughs> Brosnan is, is one bond. And mm-hmm. then Daniel Craig is, like, the reset. There's even a theory I watched the other day from, I think it was on like, IGN last year, that it's all one timeline of one man, and you like if you rejig like Casino Royale, Craig is the first one because that's his origin story, and then it goes through, 
and you meet Blofeld and all this kind of stuff, and then it swaps to the other Bond, and then certain other Bonds that swap in and out of each other. It's absolutely mental. They mm-hmm. reorganize like all twenty-four films into some batshit chronology that <laughs> doesn't really work, but like sort of works. Um, but yeah, I think the Craig era personifies that kind of keeping up with the times and reinvention and stuff. We joked about the Omega Rolex thing, like because Ro- Rolex is kind of a cliche at this point. And you needed Bond to be a bit cooler and a bit new and be like, well, we've made a deal with Omega. I don't know if you've heard of the Seamaster. It's the coolest <laughs> watch in the world. He drinks Heineken now because he's cool, because shaken, not stirred. Everybody would just groan and roll their eyes as mm. soon as he said, shaken, not stirred. Be like, oh, God, yeah, Does we know he's like Bond. give a damn. <laughs> so they gave, they gave a twist. Do I look like I give a damn? Is the perfect example of they do that little twist to all the cliches of like, He's still got to have the beautiful women, but he actually had a relationship with one. Oh my God, Vespa Lind, oh my God, he's actually given a shit about a woman for the first time. Not the first time, but you know what I mean. They did those little, like, pulling at the threads of the cliches, essentially, and undoing all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, we can't get away with Pussy Galore in 2006. (laughs) Just not a name we can get away with. Can you imagine them trying that shit? Right? (laughs) I mean, that's why I think... Funny enough, when I talked about um, the cameos in the cameos episode, Austin Powers is a complete Powers. deconstruction of that whole thing. And, and even shit like Johnny English mm-hmm. tying into Black Adam mentioned earlier, good old Mr. Rowan Atkinson, like all, all that kind of stuff. That the genre of James Bond itself, not even the spy genre, but the genre that Bond kind of reinvented and invented and crafted its own little niche has been parodied and deconstructed to hell at this point. Mm. And even, you know, 14, 15 years ago when Craig was first emerging out of that water in his beautiful blue trunks and those beautiful baby <laughs> blues, they, they had to do something different. And I think they've tried that a couple of times. You mentioned Dalton earlier, Matt, where it's like they yeah. did the, the twist there. It's like, oh, he's a darker, more serious Bond. But the first one's basically a Roger Moore movie. Like, okay, right, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's kind of like Doctor Who in that way. Like the Doctor gets reinvented and you go like, we're back. Christopher Eccleston, he's a darker, more serious Doctor. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And then you get the fanciful, wacky Doctor next. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, the next one's even darker. Okay, fine. The next one is a woman. Oh my God. (laughs) When we get get a a black Bond or a female Bond or whatever it's going to be next, going to blow people's minds. And I think it's these long-running franchises that have to keep reinventing themselves and tweaking and adjusting the formula to keep things fresh. Yeah. Otherwise, they eventually slip into obscurity. I not to get super granular, but I really I, I want to pick get apart granular, Tim. Do uh, the drinks stuff because it's fascinating, Ooh. and I think it is like a little microcosm of of how uh, Craig shifted the idea of what Bond is because. Previously, it was, you know, oh, vodka martini shaken, not stirred. And like Matt says, it was this signifier that Bond belonged in, knew how to belong in higher class society, where it's like, no, he knows he knows how to order a drink and, and kind of say the things that, you know, he's got, oh, like, I like it a, this particular way. So, you know, can you make it that way? But it's it's very much, I belong, I, I am comfortable everywhere. Yeah. Um. Whereas the Craig Bond he has the two different drink orders. There's the one where he's like, do I look like a give a damn? Because he's like, yeah, because Bond's 
Bond's so cool, he doesn't give a fuck anymore because establish being establishment at that point had become I mean, I'm it's not like it's punk bond, exactly but it's we, we we've reinvented the concept of cool at that point yes like, exactly yeah. you it's walk not... into a bar and have a usual order these days people are like who the fuck has a like yeah go to you know, you, walk into you a an bar alcoholic? or a fucking cocktail <laughs> what's wrong with you the usual please like how often do you come here do you have a problem yeah it's like i don't care just give me whatever like god that guy's cool he yeah. doesn't give a shit <laughs> yeah exactly so there's the side of him that's like i don't give a fuck like you know fuck your like old old world ideas of like oh you have to have this cocktail in this particular way but then he also creates one off the top of his head because he's cool and urbane enough to know how to do that but he's god he's so cool he's like um it's like he isn't bad at that point he's not bowing to like tradition uh with his drink order he's like no i'm gonna take what I, I I clearly know about this stuff because I can just craft a cocktail off the top of my head, so I'm cool in that way too. But equally, I'm not <laughs> bowing to, to to tradition. I know it's just a drinks order, but there, there's there's so much to unpick no, there. You're right. You're right. It's it's, it's there, and they clearly they didn't want him to just carry on in that same mode of like you know oh I I have my drink I know what I like uh kind of thing because of mm. I think there is symbolism to unpack there. It's important to talk about this because it's in the detail that this this franchise tries and at the end of the day fails. There's the Craig reboot, the sort of let's readdress the asset or reassess the state of the world, uh, Brosnan mm. introduction, and then there's the two Roger Moore that just sort of like has departed. We'll get Timothy Dalton to come in and with the same character, different face kind of thing, and then The Living Daylights is sort of just a Roger Moore film, but License to Kill is a very different movie. It, it feels like a different thing. So what they've done there is they go, right, let's, let's try and change course now at the last minute. Fuck, it didn't work out. Um, but, which again, a little, little fun fact for you, was originally going to be called License Revoked, but the studio said, Americans don't know what the word revoked means. We're not doing that. <laughs> um, so License to Kill was the one, which is like, he already has a License to Kill. Um, so Brosnan came in with this sort of, he was doing all the things, the tick box exercise of the tropes that we expected. But the world was different. He was the same, but the world was different. Mm. And with Casino Royale, the world was different. He is kind of different. But as Tim just pointed out in the drink, you know, he's this master fucking, uh, almost, like, almost like a chef with a, like four ingredients and they give you some sort of amazing meal. It's like three measures of, of Gordon's, one of vodka and a fun of Kina Lillet or whatever the fuck it is. And you're like... <laughs> Sorry, Lillet? What, what, what is this? I don't even know and, what those ingredients are. I'm so not cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's it's like it's like I have this. No, wait, this 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 this. A twist of lime, a lemon in it. Mm. And then everyone goes, mm, "That sounds exquisite. I'll yeah. have that, please." <laughs> it's like, oh, he's a trendsetter. I was like, "Fuck off." Um, but that's that's kind of the thing about this character. They keep trying to reinvent them. Like, no, 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 no. The lemon peel. Do you understand? He's got a twist in it. It's different <laughs> this time. The swirl. And it's not just like a you know. It's not like a 70s cocktail. It's given a 2000s flair with how it looks. And it's like, oh, this is it. Mm. And he looks at it. He drinks it goes, mm, I did a good job as he drinks it. <laughs> so um, the exact quote is, a dry martini, one in a deep champagne goblet. Oh, we uh, monsieur. Just a moment. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka. Half a measure of Kina uh, Lillet, Lillet, whatever. Yeah. Shake it very well until it's ice cold, then add a large slice of lemon peel. Got it? Fucking hell. I, I love the idea of what he just says, no, so cool. I'll get you a fucking Heineken. You can fuck <laughs> off. I'm, I'll, just, I'll just play with scorpions and shot yeah. 
games and drink Heineken like a real man in the 2000s. But also the story tells it and spins it in a way. It's like he's not just a pretentious piece of shit, even though he is. It's also <laughs> the idea that he's doing it to get under Le Chief. So he's like, yes, we all the orders. Can we, can we play now? He's like, ah, I've riled you, sir. What's wrong? Can we? Can we I'm, I'm, and now I have turned the tables. Um, and that's kind of the thing. But it changes. Unlike the Dalton films, which found their feet too late, both Brosnan and um, Craig have the best openings. They both open with amazing movies. Goldeneye and Casino are fantastic movies. However, and I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. It's not controversial to say the Brosnan films get worse. They go on. Oh, they don't know 100%. what they're doing. They yeah. start with like, we're dismissing all the tropes and it's like, oh my God, this is crazy. Toward the end of the, the, the fucking dying of a day where it's just, it just, I don't know what it is. It's trying to find its own place in this early 2000s action. The what worst was? Bond theme of them all. Uh, Die Another Day is uh, horrific. That fucking Madonna song is terrible. I'm, I don't mind. It's all right. You're wrong. It could, it could be a lot worse. Her no, cameo, pretty shit. Yeah, I, I think it, it it loses marks for them having to have Madonna in the film. In the film. Yes, yes as a part of that, I would agree with you. Yeah. However, this is where I get the, this is the controversial bit. Casino Royale is the best of the Craig films. Oh. All the Skyfall fans here, like the, <laughs> the veins in their face bursting. That's me. I'm a Skyfall um, guy. I don't think Skyfall is a bad film anyway. I think it's a fantastic movie. It did extremely well for what it was and things. But <laughs> there are far too many tropes being reintroduced now. Now, if Skyfall was the end of all Bond, which it should have been, which it should have been, it would have been fucking amazing. Yep. You finish it with it's not Albert Finney. Sorry, Finney. It's fucking Sean Connery. I was about to say same, that. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be uh, Connery in the Bond family home. And it would tie it all back, and that's a perfect... He that's gives it, the Aston Martin to the new Bond, and then that Bond sacrifices the Aston Martin, and the <laughs> house blows up, yep. and it would be this fucking perfect little ribbon that the cycle is complete and all that yep. kind of... Oh, it's Albert Finney. It doesn't really matter. It's basically Home Just Alone. <laughs> but, and the thing is, that's not necessarily a bad thing to, to a degree, but it ends with you know, the, the female M, which is the iconic M from my childhood, being dead again, who has been some... around since Brosnan? Mm. That's another one she that transitions. Legit yeah. Been around, yeah, exactly. So that that is taken away. This one thing that worked, and it's back to you know a stuffy white shirt British dude, i.e. Ray Fines, in a big wooden boarded, you know, yeah. you ready to go work Bond? Yes, M. And that's like that's it, that's it. Now go back to Doctor No. You've now leaked in. The whole thing is now a circle. Mm. Yeah. Problem solved. But <clears throat> so it's like not just an origin. No, sorry, not just a return to the tropes but an origin of the trope. You're like, oh, I understand now. This whole trilogy, as it were, has been an origin story. Yes, Quantum Solace is very boring, but it's also a, actually a really smart thriller in terms of the plan. And, and we've touched execution. upon films doing that wrong. And the example yes. I always use, and I know we've talked about it on the show before, is John Harrison in Star Trek oh, Into yeah. Darkness, <laughs> where, yeah, it's the origin of the trope. Ah, like, ah. He's only saying that to the audience. And then eventually to alternate future Spock True. via present day Spock via a video call, <laughs> which mm. it just releases all of the fucking tension of that moment. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, you could have that all tie in together. And if, oh God, if it was Connery, it would have been so. No, no knock on Albert Finney. Albert no, Finney's he did great. great performance. He's brilliant. Is, yeah. But that would have been the perfect ending. And they're like, hold yeah. on. Um, have, we, have we got the rights to Spectre and Blofeld again? Well, hmm. Uh. Interesting. Well, maybe we could, maybe we could do something like that because 
folks, if you don't know, the the classic character that Doctor Evil is based on, Often Powers, <laughs> the classic bald guy with the cat and the silver space suit, weird like typical Bond villain type guy mm. with the scar on his face and all that kind of stuff, is Ernst Blofeld, and he is like the Bond villain that was like recurring across mm. a bunch of films. The Moriarty. Exactly. Which He's Moriarty, Moriarty wasn't yeah. even Moriarty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then there were loads of like rights issues with Eon Productions who now own the full rights to all the Bond stuff, but there was a huge dispute and then they couldn't use him and then they killed him off without saying who he is or showing his face and dropping him yeah. down a giant chimney stack. In a wheelchair. In a wheelchair because, pff, fuck it, we can't <laughs> use him, you can't have him either, so we'll just chuck him down a chimney. Yeah. And then they tie back... With, and it's amazing casting. Christoph well, yeah. Waltz is like, Brilliant. if you could pick a Blofeld in the modern era, like, yeah, totally makes sense. Christoph Waltz, amazing. And then they make him his fucking brother and all this stuff. And uh, I am the author of your pain and that trailer and that whole thing. Mm. And it's like, it's been me all along, James. It's like, has it though? <laughs> this is the, this is what I'm getting because at. Because that's they what become... Quantum was. So yeah. you're now, the Quantum is one of the arms of the octopus of Spectre mm -hmm. and then the thing. And then what are the other arms? Like, oh my God, you've made this so much more complicated than you needed to. It's not just that it needs to come back to all the tropes and become like, oh, the Aston Martin's there and it's been retired. No, Aston Martin's back two times over. It's like, oh. Oh, great because it, you have to come back to the, the tropes it has to be the same thing it has to be that fan familiarity can't step outside we did it on the first one we can't get away with it every single time that would reinvent the franchise people would be done happy then you end up with but the franchise also dictates that the next person has to be the real mastermind <laughs> you, know, oh, you have to keep escalating keep escalating oh you thought he was the bad guy he was a minion for the other guy who's also a minion for the next guy <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and we've talked, we've touched on um, Austin Powers and like how mm. this this it it had to cut the the franchise had to cope with being so thoroughly deconstructed. Yeah, obviously there um, a lot of the stuff in Austin Powers is a relic of the sixties, but sure. as we've mentioned, like there's stuff that is definite hangover from the sixties that's still in Bond today, um, as much as they've tried to update it, but. Fucking Austin Powers did Blofeld is James Bond's brother in yes. 2002 when it did Goldmember. Uh, Patrick Willems did a, a, a James Bond, uh, sorry, a, an Austin Powers video recently, mm. and it's like, how how do you how do you have your parody make a plot point and then go ahead and recreate that plot point in the original? franchise like that's so that's such a weird and none like of the producers ever heard of austin powers like well, have you yeah. just ignored the last 20 years of cinema i i think it comes down to to lamp shading i uh, the, uh it's an old film tv term of the idea that you draw attention to something and because you do that it means it's not necessarily as dumb you, so you, we know you, we're aware yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're self-aware and clever we're not yeah. just ignoring Which, the fact that it's a parody yeah, which is obviously horribly abused by things. It's like, oh, well, we can get away with doing this because we've told you that we're aware we're doing this. Like, mm, that's just lazy. But the key point is that just to, just as three sort of uh, examples here. You had Austin Powers absolutely lambasting the original Bond stuff. But because the tropes are still there in the, in the, in the Brosnan stuff, it was also a commentary on the contemporary Bond at the time. You then have... Yes, the Johnny English stuff, but more importantly, where Johnny English came from, which was a Barclaycard advert. And he was this, um, this you know, 
I'd honestly forgotten that. That's, that's yeah. bizarre. He was playing this this character. He's like, I'm going to break in with my Barclay card. It's like, you can just use it to pay for this equipment. No, I use it to, to slip the lock. Slide it's in like, the door, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, you don't need to do... The, it's, it's a, it's a, you can use it around the world. Because it's the nature of you know international banking. You, you can bring your MasterCard or your Visa around the world as opposed to, I've got to get you know all this currency from multiple countries and you don't have to know all this shit. It's like, oh, but I know the local dialect. And step aside, I don't worry, I've got, I've got this. It's like, it's that English pretentious nonsense. Like, no, no, don't worry about it. This is, the, this is the language everyone speaks now in the 90s. Money, motherfucker. Mm. We're all sort of fine now. And digital money specifically. Yeah. yeah. And then in a very strange example, the West Wing. Um, Whoa, well, that was a twist <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting. Aaron wow. Sorkin has a whole bit, which I've always thought, huh, that's a genuinely interesting point. And it is an interesting point, in my opinion. Um, there's a, a conversation between um, the president and Charlie, his aide. And he's talking about how he's watched all the Bond films. And it talks about how the president doesn't like Bond. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it's like the whole like, well, you know, he's, uh, he's a descendant of one of the founding fathers. Of course, he's got like a British spy, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that makes complete sense. But he talks about shaken, not stirred. And mm. he highlights something which people don't know because the thing is no one drinks a fucking vodka martini. <laughs> I mean, it's nonsense. Um, but he said, Shake says, he says, the reason it's served with ice is because it's colder and it does this and it, over time it chills it and so on and so forth. When he says he doesn't want it stirred, he wants it shaken. What he means is I want you to break it down and dilute it so it's a weaker drink. So, so, so uh, Martin Sheen says, so what he's asking for is a weak drink and he's being snooty about it. <laughs> and it's like, I mean that does make sense if he's trying to actually, you know, be a spy and like drink, keep up the drinks with the with the his adversaries, yeah, but also not yeah. be sozzled. Um, it's like that makes actual sense in a weird way. But it's like, yeah, he's, you know, it's like, it's a classic phrase. You know, when you're a kid, you think I'm gonna go to a bar. What are you gonna order? Oh, martini, I'm shaking on stone. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I want to order this. It's like, why? I've never heard it before. It's disgusting. <laughs> it cost me nine pound. Um, yeah. but, but that's a cheap cocktail, Matthew. Wow. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know, yeah. yeah. Nine pounds is about right. I actually said to my wife this morning, uh, I said, uh, a pint of beer is like a pound 20 in it. <laughs> Fuck no. off, what, <laughs> I don't know anymore. That's, 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 that's living like back in 1984. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, the last well, time Matt drunk in 1884. Uh, two shillings? Yeah. Five and three? <laughs> no, but the point is that it's, it's iconic and yet still something that is, in fact, doesn't make sense. And it, it's all, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a joke where I'm right, I, Ian Fleming, are writing this for the plebs, and they don't know I've made this wrong. He's literally ordering something wrong. It's like, I'll have a BLT, no ham. It's like, yeah. ham? <laughs> yeah, the, the L stands for la, la ham. La ham, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's uh, jambon. It's like, that's why it's a BLT, not BLJT. It's like, right. <laughs> it, it is a really strange sense of how the times change, but the franchise cannot completely change. And even if you try at the start to jumpstart it with a reboot, there's like, no, 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 no. The fancy car is fancy, yes, but he almost rejects the. He doesn't want the gadget. He doesn't want a queue. All these things. Um, in 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 uh, Bro I, can't, I can't stress this enough. The Brosnan remake or, the, or remake. The Brosnan sort of jump off was that Bond is a the literal quote a relic of the Cold War, a dinosaur, oh. and he's got a female boss now. And he can't just go in and just go, oh, I'm going to get drunk at a party and try and figure out these things. The Cold War is <laughs> ending. He can now just, we can film in fucking Moscow now. Oh. That kind of thing. It's like, holy shit, this is, this is huge for people who've, you know, I, I can only think, uh, uh, what's weird about Die Another Day is it ends the, bon, uh, the Brosnan era with North Korea. And it's like, yeah, that was quite prescient. 
And not because like, North Korea is an actual <laughs> threat in that regards, but it's more the idea of like, yeah, that's that's a very odd move because in 2000 and when is when is Dino Blade? 2002 or 2000? 2002. 2002, yeah. <clears throat> You're again the year after 9 11. Shit's mm. shifting back to the Middle East again. Um, and you're like, fuck, but they're still thinking commies, I guess. Um, <laughs> and it goes back to North Korea. But the North Korea is a. I mean, I don't think I really thought about the Korean conflict as a. As a in 2002, I was 18 years old. Until Bond brought up, I said, what do you mean the DMZ and minefields and hovercrafts? What the fuck are you talking about? And then space lasers like it's fucking Command and Conquer. <laughs> um, but um, it was actually something that I think eventually there will talk about i'm surprised i haven't brought up in bond yet mm. it's you always tend to talk about the thing that isn't going to get you in too much trouble um but and yeah. and most importantly no one's trying to sell films to north korea mm. whereas now we can't Precisely. it can't be can't be can't a be chinese China. villain can't be a can't be a yeah. russian villain can't be nope. you know that's a potential market son yeah <laughs> yeah um so you remake uh red dawn but it's, it's north koreans yeah <laughs> it's always north koreans now um, and that's that's kind of the thing. It's, it, it it evolves, but the problem is it starts with almost good intentions, but then the studio panics. And what's weird to me is that this, the opening is always like, oh, it's it's the best performing Bond in years. This is we're back, baby. And then it dips off. Except Craig's Bond doesn't. Craig's Bond is the most successful Bond outside of Connery. I find that astonishing. Yeah, but Spectre did worse than Skyfall. Just for the record, Spectre is ass. Not Spectre, uh, Spectre still did better than both. Uh, oh, hang on, almost as good as Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale combined. However, yes. Um, so it's still it's still a juggernaut. Um, and in, when No Time to Die is released, even if it doesn't do well, people are just like, yeah, pandemic in it. So it doesn't. We can't actually get a natural gauge. Yeah, imagine. No Time to not to spin off into a whole like, oh, it's a pandemic thing because you know that kind of mm. puts us in a very specific mindset in a in a time where we are now, like in sure. people listening in the future, but. I can see No Time to Die going both ways. I can see it like, who gives a fuck? You know, Spectre was terrible and this thing has been delayed so much that people have just given up interest. We've heard the Bond song like four years before the fucking film came yeah. out with this one. Oh, it's Billie Eilish. Oh, I would have never have predicted that, <laughs> said no one. That kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, yeah, sure, another Bond, whatever. Or is it going to be cinemas are back open Fucking everyone is like, oh my god, something we can finally familiar. go back to cinema. There's something to see. What's that something gonna be? I will go and see a Bond. I mean, that's the whole family is gonna go see a fucking Bond film. We haven't been to the cinema in like, I don't know, six years because the pandemic's never ending. <laughs> so we'll just yeah, we'll, let's just get get the kids. Get call your brother. We'll we'll all go. We'll all go together. We'll all, the whole family, all ten of us, will mm. fill every fucking cinema up and down the country and across <laughs> the world and go and watch Bond. So it could do really well, or it could just flop into non-existence, and this will be the last of the Craig era. It's it's how people see the general cinema goer sees a, a film. I want to go to a film and see all the film. I want to see as much movie as possible. Get so bank for my buck. Yeah, it's it's like oh, so I want to see something that's big. I'll have a great time. Why? Because it was a big movie. And you're like, okay. I think I think it will depend, and I've, this is such an obvious thing to say, but. Um... I think it will depend a lot on the quality of the film, which you mm. know might seem mm. obvious, but but isn't always the case. But mm. I think the thing with the with the Craig Bonds, when they're bad, they're just kind of forgettable. Like True. as as groan inducing as um, Spectre is at the time, it doesn't really stick in the memory as being like awful, terrible 
in the it's same. It's called Die Another Day. Yeah, in the in the <laughs> in the same way that Die Another Day is, or or parts of like Moonraker and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I think people are, if if it's good, people will be like, oh, that's that's great, and Bond, uh, Craig's era will be remembered as Casino Royale, fantastic, great kickoff, Skyfall, brilliant, love it, reintroduces some of the iconic stuff. You've got fucking uh, a Q back in there and stuff like that. They have like, yep. oh, Ben, Winch- ben Wishaw's great. And mm-hmm. then you'll have No Time to Die. And it's like, oh, fantastic, you know, possible conclusion to the to the Great Bond. And the and Quantum and Spectre will just kind of be glazed over in the way we glaze yeah. over a lot of the Bond because we remember mm-hmm. the iconic ones. It will be if, the odd number Star Trek situation. Yeah. If it's... Yeah, it is odd number Craig Bonds. Yeah. Maybe, if, it's if No Time to Die is good. <laughs> bad, then it will just be... Oh, Craig's hit hit he hit the peak at Skyfall and then it just kind of slipped off. Um mm-hmm. and and so I think it would just be I, I I can't see it being a huge bomb either way, but yeah. I think it will I think more the more than usual, the the bond brand <laughs> is not especially strong at the moment, but with a good film it could be seen as like he's going out on a high note. Assuming this is his last film, which obviously he said many times, this is my last. Bond. I'd rather slip my wrists and play James yeah. Bond again," said Daniel Craig two films ago. <laughs> what near, nearly a decade ago at this point? Yes, yeah. that Skyfall came out in twenty twelve. So yeah, um, I, I think that's the the key. The key thing here is where are the writers going with it? Are they doing a situation where they're like, "Fuck, we don't know. We need to let this lie for a while. Let's do a Golden Eye. Let's hold off and." figure out what we're doing mm. or is it a living daylight where they're like we'll just get a new face and we've already got the film written already we'll just bring someone else in and we'll actively try and work it into this story or are they going very big pivot where they're saying no 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 we're setting up the next thing we're going to introduce black panther and fucking spider-man in this movie mm. ha, 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 ha. because we've let everyone's indicated by the mcu so we'll just do mm. what they're doing um and the truth and 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 who the fuck knows is the answer, but also it doesn't actually matter for this particular episode. So don't worry about it too much, listeners. Well, and there's constant news of like Tom Hardy's officially been cast yeah. as the new Bond. Mm. Idris Elba in talks to be the new Bond. Breaking news: Tom Hardy has not been officially yeah. confirmed <laughs> as the next Bond. Rumor has it Daniel Radcliffe in talks to be the next Bond. The fucking they've even been talking to shock and horror American people. <gasps> like. They're constantly going on. It, it's the Doctor Who thing of like, they reveal the casting of the next Doctor before it's even done on the show. And they're like, with the, the, the pop culture kind of media news thing, whatever you want to call that kind of sector of news, there are no surprises anymore. And I have this, and again, not to spin off into a tangent about wrestling, but hello, I'm Jack. I like okay. wrestling. All the wrestling reveals like, oh, so-and-so is going to return at the Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania. We know because I follow YouTube channels that report on wrestling news and they say, rumor has it so-and-so signed a contract last week and he'll be back in two weeks at the Royal Rumble. And then everybody goes, oh my God, he's back at the Royal Rumble. And all the people go, yeah, we know. We told you two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, it's the, I, I, I would love, and I said this like, again, tying into the doctor and stuff, like they don't announce it. And then just at an end of an episode, he dies and then yeah, is regenerated yeah. into the new actor. It's like, holy shit, that's the new actor. That's amazing. That would be really cool. And if they obviously they have to market it, but doing a surprise reveal of a Bond and not have it announced like three or four years in advance as it goes into production and where you'll see all the set photos and all that bullshit and 
it just ruins a little bit of the magic for me, you know? Mm. But yeah, that, that's the nature of the beast in 2021 and has been for the last few years, unfortunately, with YouTube and pop culture news sites and all that kind of stuff. Nobody wants people to say, this person is the new Supergirl. Who? Who is this? It's not good enough just to be, there is an actor. We think mm. they're good for the role. Here they are. It has to be, okay, you don't know them yet, but they were in these three TV series and we know because we're writing about this on whatever. Or, or doing a podcast about it, and they're saying, well, hang on, hang on, we've got to make some judgment calls about this based on two performances we've seen. We watched an episode of this and a previous film she, that this person did fucking 10 years ago. We've made the decision that the studio might know what they're talking about. It's like, have we seen them as, as the character yet? No, 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 <laughs> So it's all just marketing. It's all advertising. But at the same time, it's how it evolved now. People back then were still doing that shit. I mean, Brosnan was supposed to be Bond, but he was busy with Remington Steel. Uh, the Dalton was supposed to be Bond for fucking um, On Majesty's Secret Service, but was too young. And that's like the whole, like, this industry's been doing this for a while, but it's changed slightly, um, as you say, the nature of the beast. If there's, if there's one thing the British tabloids like, I mean, but it, it kind of goes, it's like, news about the royal family, <laughs> blaming poor people, and then, yep. like, Bond, James Bond speculation uh, in oh, terms yeah. of their things that they love. Um, and... Because it's, it's blighty, it's, it's Britain, it's and patriotism. It's, it's tied into nostalgia and, and you know, yeah. the, the audience for the tabloid newspapers skews kind of older. And so it's keying into nostalgia and feelings of like British imperialism and like British yeah. excellence and stuff like that. And so it's very, it's easy for them to, to like, A, like just make something up or B, go mm. on the very slightest of sources and be like, oh, Idris Elba's going to be the new... James Bond, we'll get a bunch of controversy out of that with people who are like, a oh, black man. Yeah. Um, we, and... we, we know our readers won't be happy about that because yeah. they, they want Sean Connery to come back. And yes, yeah, that. they want it to be like the old days. Yeah. yeah. And that's the pro- this is the thing, I have always said this. If you want to do a James Bond adaptation, not a continuation of the franchise, but an adaptation of the books per se, make it a period piece set in the 60s and make it a commentary on the time problem solved immediately problem solved then you can have your imperial white man operating abroad in fucking commie era russia you could have that if you want having the, said the, that the problem with that it was it would mm. go through a modern lens right you're well, doing the, it exactly the yeah issue, you're yes. doing it with the director and the, the crew and the cast yeah. of people that exist in the 21st century so it will be like it wasn't that good the 60s was full of stds yeah people <laughs> dying and misogyny and yeah. racism and terrible terrible things but they want like everything was fine and it was better than it is now. Make America great again, <laughs> like just like it was before, and all this kind of shit. Like, yeah, and it wasn't fucking James uh, Bond. It was Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It was a bunch of like ambiguous yes, public yeah. schoolboys playing fuck it, fuck around Dick with around. other countries. And I'm sure like the hardcore Bond audience do not give a fuck about Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like that film. I like it, but I had to watch it twice <laughs> to make sure I understood it. I watched it and then I watched it again like a week later, like. Did I get all of that? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. I'll go, I'll go and read like a summary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. But it is so like the polar opposite of the modern Bond where you've got Daniel Craig doing the parkour and <laughs> Daniel Craig just jumps through walls. Yeah. Actual walls. Just yeah. this, this behemoth of a man just exploding through a fucking wall. Oh, or you've got Gary Oldman walking around in a shopping center for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah. a spy is supposed to be someone who blends the fuck in, not yeah. like, you didn't know exactly. I was a spy, did you? Yeah. It's like, 
Yeah, of course I did. You're the only white man here and you just punched the wall in, you <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, he doesn't punch the wall. He sorry. jumps through the wall, Matthew. I can punch a wall. That's fine. He fucking Kool-Aid mans it. <laughs> he just Kool-Aid mans that shit. It's crazy. I, I think I was, just, just to again cap off the stuff, the controversy and the casting and all that shit. And it's like, we want to change this up to be something progress into a new era, make it relevant, etc. And you will get the outcries of like the tabloid readers will say, oh, it's a, our, our black bond. It's like, we're going to have Harry Styles, but a man who wears dresses is bond. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it. Have he's got you seen... long hair and he wears yeah, gender like, ambiguous clothing. He's a hippie. It's like, but, okay. And it's like, first of all, have you seen of the recent bonds? I watched that Casino Royale. I thought it was all right. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. 15 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, but I've got strong opinions and I have all of them on video cassette. Well, that's wonderful. Fuck off back to your fucking study. And it's, <laughs> and it, but, the, but these people are the most vociferous. They're the ones who are talking so, you know, Bond has to have a Bond girl and a Bond song. And gosh darn it, he has to be a white man, a Christian man. He has to believe in God and he doesn't wear a condom because it's too much itchiness for his penis. <laughs> It was like, what? Well, I used one once in 1973 and I bloody hated it. Like, well, that's... I have 14 children. Yeah, that's a very specific story to you, sir. Yes, and I wanted to appeal directly to me. Yes, and I'm not going to watch it. But that's not because it's too bloody loud and it all moves too fast. <laughs> it's like, well... I what? like to gazelle. No, wait, no, I don't. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. Bond is... Um, like a lot of things, it is attached to a lot of imperialism. It's attached to a lot of patriotism. It's attached to it's 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 uh, weaponized by people as uh, uh, in the same way of I'm getting political here, but in the same way that a statue is. Oh no no, you can't tear that down. It's been there since I was a boy. Who is it of? Oh, he was he was a general in in the the Boer War, the the the, the, the Crimean the War. You know, it doesn't matter. He was <laughs> yeah. a British man. And you're now saying that he owned slaves and beat his wife and killed seven people in a street in Kentish Town? You wouldn't be free if it wasn't for him. Yeah, he, he, you wouldn't be able to say these things if it wasn't for this man. You don't even know his name, do you? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Statue stays. And it's the whole thing with Bond. You can't change Bond. You're not watching it. You're not the audience. You're not the primary demographic. Yes, but, I, but I've got an opinion and a vote. Oh, fuck off. And that's kind of the point. <laughs> Bond is also, this is the worst part, Bond is also that man. Bond is also, <laughs> and so you try and change Bond, and even when you change Bond to Casino Royale, he ends up being that man. He's like, "This is your orders, Bond. You must blend in with the environment. Go in, and uh, all right, I'll go in with my gun, and I'll find out what I can for you." No, no, no. It's uh, digital crimes. No, I don't do computers. <laughs> so, well, then you're not fucking getting hired by us, you penis. You absolutely and, locked And it. Ben Wishaw's cue touches oh, on that entirely, very specifically. Yes. He does the whole like I could do more you know, sitting in my pants with a slice of jam on toast with a laptop in the morning than you do in six weeks in the field, Bond or something like that. You're just a weapon. We point you in the right direction, you go and kill something. I can, I can take down a government with my laptop kind of thing. And he's right. He's absolutely right. He's talking to the modern audience, but the problem <laughs> is it lampshades. Now nah, we need Bond, really, don't we? Yeah. Sometimes you do need a man with a gun to pull the trigger. Now that's me. It's like, no, no, I you're mean, like, this is like Jeremy Clarkson fixing a car with a hammer and saying, but I fixed it. It's like, 
you got lucky, you dumb fuck. It's like, <laughs> my window isn't working. I'll take a hammer to it. I did it last time on the engine. It worked fine. It's like, no. I was like, well, how are we going to solve the problem? So here's a nice big open space called the window now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no glass. I was like, yeah. You didn't tell me to put glass in. I fixed the problem. There's no broken glass. Exactly. Yeah, he's very much a blunt force solution. (laughs) And Bond is always like, how do we, uh, how do we sort the North Korea problem? (laughs) Oh, uh, well, I'm going to go into North Korea and I'll sleep with one of the Koreans. Don't worry, I'll blend in perfectly. (laughs) And then I'll just tell Kim Jong, which one is it now? Kim Jong Un? Oh, I haven't read the briefing notes. I'll tell you what, I'll just wing it. And then I'll, uh, well, I'll have a fancy cocktail. They don't have fancy cocktails, I don't think, in North Korea. Obviously, the, the higher-ups will, but there's a lot of poverty and, and immense, immense starvation. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'll, I'll blend in as a paddy. I'll have... Uh, That's not how that works, Bond. I'll uh, have co- Korean moonshine. Yeah. Shaken. Not, no, no, don't touch uh, it. No, don't, don't do move any, it. It might explode. Any research here at all, Bond? Uh, well, actually... Again, that's the equivalent, isn't it? That's the fucking equivalent. We're going to get someone to go into be the North Korean Bond. Who's it going to be? It's like, well, I've been watching my K dramas. I watched Crash Landing on You, and I watched JSA back in the day. Fucking amazing film. So I know everything about North Korea. Don't worry. What, as opposed to, are you okay? Are you ready for this? Yes. I watched the interview with James Franco. I know exactly what to expect. It's like, oh, fuck. Do you have any marmalade? No? Oh, well, never mind. Another briquette for the generator, please. Um, and it's just like, what is this bullshit? And because people are so fixated on the brand, MCU, for example, we aren't at the stage now. We've only been like eleven years, twelve years of it. We aren't at the stage where we can say, "Hang on, hang on, hang on." They're saying a Marvel film because early up they changed it. It's not just a superhero thing. It's also science fiction. It's also a fantasy. It's also a, uh, a magic story about nonsense. It's also a fucking TV series about depression and and uh, grief and all these sorts of things going on. But Bond isn't that. Bond's an adaptation of a book by a man who fought in World War II. So it's sacrosanct. So you can't change that because this country has a real problem with World War II. So you can never get away from it without having to come back to, yeah, but Bond has to have black hair. Do you see? Do you see? And he has to also order a vodka martini and like it. Do you see? Where's his Aston Martin? He wouldn't drive Aston Martins. Mm. He has to drive the one from the 60s. What? <laughs> yes, he has to blend in in this very specific, singular, unique, silver <laughs> 60s car. And also the Bond theme plays while he drives it. Yes. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Or I won't be fucking happy. <laughs> in case you forgot. Ding, 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 ding. See? Yeah. See? Now I know it's a Bond film. <laughs> Before we get into breaking down the individual Bond films of this era, we should talk about the uh, sponsor for today. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasts with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, which is P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to mention Sequelizers in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. We've been using them for quite some time and they are genuinely very, very good. So if you are looking for similar sort of sponsorship deals and things, they're a good one to go through. I recommend getting in touch with them. They've been really good to us. And if you have a podcast, unlike us, you want to start making some money and monetizing your, your content, Podgo is a good way to do it. Yep. So, gentlemen, should we delve a little bit deeper and discuss the last, what, 34 years, 35 years? 34 of, years. 34 years of Bond. And bear in mind, that's the modern era of Bond. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is the last thirty-four years. That's I, a crazy I'm, thing to say. 
in my lifetime, there's only been this Bond and one Roger Moore film. <laughs> That's how old this modern era is. Dalton, we didn't talk about Dalton too much, so let's talk about Living Daylights and License to Kill. The Living Daylights is quite interesting because it does actually talk about things like, you know, it, it, it sort of does the sort of segue from Eastern Europe to Afghanistan. And it's like, well, that's actually appropriate to the time it was released in the 80s. That was kind of what was going on. In the same time that Rambo was saying, these are our allies, because it was a sort of political thing to push through the movie and so on and so forth. And like, who's, your, who's saving the day? The Taliban. Ah, great boys. It's like, oh, that won't age fucking awfully. Yeah, those people <laughs> we, we armed against the Soviets, right? Yeah. That would yeah. ever come back to all this. Yeah, no, that would, everything would be fine. Yeah, CIA involvement everywhere. But um, License to Kill was very different. License to Kill was essentially just a... It was, it was the first Bond film that was a 15 in this country, which I think it was rated R in America probably as well. And it was just really quite hardcore. It was basically what we consider now as a Craig film. Um, it was about drugs, which was not really a Bond era kind of mm. thing. Um, the bad guy was just a menacing fucking gangster. And he was basically just doing, uh, I wouldn't even say spy shit. He was on his own quest <laughs> for revenge because his friend was killed. And that was more compelling in the same way that the end of, um, uh, we talked about at the end of uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the idea that he's actually moving forward now. You know, He's mm, going to have to yeah. live with this for the rest of his life. That's what License to Kill is. Problem is the, the public didn't want it. They did, the, the, the numbers weren't there. I think everyone was just kind of fatigued with Bond in general. Um, Dalton was a very hard edge. Um, I think he's fucking great. I think he was way ahead of his time. Um, I agree. I really like Dalton's Bond. Yeah, a lot of people do look back on the Dalton. It's such a small era. It's not like the Lazenby era was one film. It's two eras means it's a, two films means it's an era. <laughs> but it's like, I have two things. That's a collection. It's like no, <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, License to Kill was really much like it would go. And and to be fair. The leap from License to Kill to Goldeneye, yes, it brought back some of the tropes and things and tried to move it forward, but the, the groundwork had already been laid. You, I mean, for example, we'll talk about Craig in a minute, but going forward with the future of Bond, if they do a reboot after No Time to Die, you can't make it a campy fucking, you know, return to form, as it were, arguably, because... I don't know, maybe they have to go that way. Maybe, like yeah, maybe that's all, maybe it's all left. reinventing the wheel and that's dodging true, the cliches true. and stuff, so maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because now the, the Bond style, and we'll talk about this later on, but the Bond style of action combat and all that kind of stuff mm. is now kind of the cliche and the I mean we talked about the Taken franchise enough the Liam Neeson jumping over a fence and there's 17 cuts because <laughs> Liam Neeson is 100 years old like that's become a cliche and a meme now so kids don't want to see that kind of stuff people start appreciating like the wacky like I don't know I, I always talk about the MCU I know but like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. People like that because like, oh, this is really funny and refreshing and stuff. And I find a lot of people are worn out from all the like, we're taking this very seriously well, kind of, kind you're, of films. You're actually might be on the point. I mean, we'll, we'll get back to what we'll talk about in just a second, but the Kingsman films kind of do that really well. And also Perfect what's example, really successful, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw and the Fast and Furious films, just like superhero movies at this point. Maybe Bond goes down the road of, maybe we end up saying, unlike, oh, License to Kill was ahead of its time. Maybe we end up saying, you know what? Die Another Day had it. <laughs> it knew exactly where the thing was. I will never say that. Matthew. Super fucking invisible cars and space lasers. And it's like that not sounds like a fucking a, not with a story. space laser pointed to my head when I say that. <laughs> yeah, I think like to to jump back to the the Dalton era. Mm. Both of the films kind of 
deal with drugs at, at certain mm, points. Mm. And I think when we talk about Bond reflecting its era, that it's very much the war on drugs era Bond. It's yeah. the 80s, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's it does have that grit. It does have the more serious take on it, which, yeah, I don't think audiences were quite really in the mood for. Um, not to say that it doesn't have, like, ridiculous moments. Like, there's... Am I thinking right where there's the... They had like a, a crazed US general who has like a battle of Gettysburg set up yes. as like war miniatures yes. in one That's game. Yeah. yeah. Who's an actor who comes back in fucking Goldeneye. Yeah. Um yeah, and there's all like crazy special effects for his his little battle room that he's got mm-hmm. set up. Yeah. Yeah, which is quite and there's like a chase down a mountain where they're on a cello case in Living Daylights and stuff like that, which is very it's a Roger Moore, yeah. Um and it's a shame, I think, that Dalton only got two films to try, really one film to try and find his voice. <laughs> but mm. as you say, like they weren't especially successful. And talking about the time gap, like it took six years for them to decide, like, okay, what what do people want from Bond in this era? What do people what are people looking for? Um, in terms of casting, in terms of tone, in terms of like enemies and plot and stuff like that. And it's interesting how, um, you know, Dalton era stuff kind of touches briefly on Cold War, like end of Cold War. True. Sort of the, the, the late period where we, where everyone kind of knew like, okay, it's, it's collapsing. It's, it's slowly happening. And, and then the actual, you know, fall of Berlin Wall and stuff like that. But it doesn't, from memory, I could be wrong. It doesn't really t- deal with it directly. Um, obviously, it goes to Afghanistan and, and talks about those kind of stuff, but it's it's kind of talking around. Whereas Goldeneye gets in there and it's like, no, we're fucking going to Russia, like, and it is going to be about the consequences of the Cold War, and we're gonna. I mean, you still got the KGB that. involved and like Koskov and all those guys. Like, the the Russian influence is still there, mm. and obviously, as we mentioned, there's that Russian tie to the Middle East in that era mm. as well you're still, for want of a better phrase, living in the shadow of mm. the former Bonds and obviously the Cold War still mm. like very much a, a, a presence there. And mm. it's this weird kind of... I, I, you both kind of nailed it. Like The Living Daylights is such a weird turning point that's like, yeah, of cool, hip new Bond, he's dark and cool, but it it's him in a Roger Moore movie. <laughs> some of this works, some of this really doesn't, and it's this weird... I feel like it is the perfect... If we'd had Daniel Craig after Dalton, obviously mm. the timelines don't match up, but you sure. know what I mean? That would have made a lot of sense if we'd gone yeah. like, oh, the Roger Moore was really fucking... You have pigeons doing double takes in those yeah. fucking movies. It's something I will never forget <laughs> for as long as I live. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. All the listeners have just gone, oh, God, yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Fucking Moonraker, rocket fucking gondoliers Moonraker. and shit. <laughs> oh, but then, but then arguments could be made that you needed the Dalton films as like a circuit breaker because if yeah. you'd have gone, I think if you'd have gone from Moore to Goldeneye, people would have been like, oh, it's a bit grim and gritty, isn't it? That's what I mean, and yeah. And so I- you need something to go really out there in terms of resetting like where Bond is to then bring it back to Brosnan era. And what Matt was saying earlier, like going, it goes like serious, reasonably sort of like serious, wacky, serious, wacky, serious, wacky. And that kind of mm. Brosnan obviously gets very weird, as we'll talk about in a moment, mm-hmm. and very over the top. 
and then Craig dialed it back down and made it more gritty. Is the next one going to be back to more Roger Moore Brosnan style where it's all gadgets and all madness mm. and loads of CGI and craziness and that kind of thing? And Dalton is that midpoint, I think, where you've got that, we're starting to take this a bit more seriously and he's he doesn't do the whole like, this has never happened to the other guy kind oh, of lens yeah. like Roger Moore does. But there's still that silliness. There's still the silly gadgets and mm. cello case sleds and all this kind of shit. I feel that Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies are bro- uh, um, are Dalton films with Roger Moore ch- smarm coming through Brosnan. <laughs> now, I, I just transition to Brosnan now. Brosnan is my Bond because I watched him in the cinema. Now, that's not that doesn't mean he's the best Bond in any way, shape, or form. That was just a very formative one. I'd seen all the ones on TV, but for my generation, it's a hard thing to, to talk about, like with Doctor Who and things. It's like this is yours now. Whether it's good or bad, that's your problem, son. Like, okay. So you end up inadvertently defending things because you're like, no, 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 it was good at the time. You end up saying that shit. And unfortunately, that's what we talk about the, the, you know, the heightened hyperbolic examples we gave earlier of the old man in his fucking study. <laughs> um, saying, like, oh, Sean Connery is in, he's the best one, infallible, perfect films. It's like, well, no, of course they fucking aren't. Don't be stupid. It's, it's, an, it's, it's nonsense, but it's inter- entertaining nonsense. And because it was important for you at the time, yada, yada. However, Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies are extremely different from The World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day. So Goldeneye covers the transition, the politics. Where are we now? The lay of the land. Let's reinvent this thing. I remember the advert that came out to announce Bond, that it was coming. It was just the, the, uh, him walking onto the screen. He goes, Bond, mm. you know the rules. And it was just <laughs> yeah. like, that's all it needed to be. Because it's like, ah, oh, the franchise, got it. He still says it in the movie. He doesn't go like, do I look like I give a damn? Yeah. It was still giving you everything you expected, but it had like the first actual proper sex scene. It had really strong female villains and heroes. And like, you know, the, the hacker bad guy was a dude, but he was instantly outbested by this woman. It's like, ah, you see women in the workplace. And it shows a mission previously in Russia that's gone wrong and he's lost his, his colleague. And then he um, goes back to Russia post-Cold War and it's like, everything's up all over the place. And... Uh, um, everything's you know people are all selling things <laughs> these days and you've got Robbie Coltrane is saying chicken not stirred is that the thing uh, I'm also Russian <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Scots and um, it's it's the idea that ultimately um, it's trying to poke fun at itself but then take itself seriously and it still does like he bursts through the wall in a tank and he's capping it himself but it's fun and it's stupid but it's like this is the right level of what we wanted this is now Talking about the contemporary politics, it's addressing the current lay of the land in terms of how the socio-political world is for, you know, you don't exist. This isn't a thing anymore. You don't, we don't need you. Um, but at the same time, it also gives you the whole superior nonsense of a one man can make a difference kind of thing. Um, and also, more importantly, the fucking bad guy is English until they say, nope, he's Ukrainian. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> damn, we we're so close. Famous um, Ukrainian Sean Bean. Sean Bean? Hello, James. Tastes like strawberry. <laughs> Like, oh, what <laughs> fucking weird strawberries have you been eating? Anyway, but Tomorrow Never Dies continues this. The story is then about, um, you know, the, the handover of Hong Kong back to China. You're talking about the nature of China rising as a big power of importance and the fucking importance of the news and how it shapes everything. And you're, mm. it's like, I don't need to tell you what the fucking headlines are going to be and, the, you know, who's going to start a war. I'll write the war. It's like, that's. 
again, really uncomfortably prescient. It's like you knew what was <laughs> happening. The difference is, and I will defend this one's fucking Michelle Yao. Yes, and yeah. he's got a he's got a remote control BMW, and that's like we kind of sort of have that now. His phone does that. Yeah. It always, it's like yeah, again, I think we it saw the the what was happening. The world is not enough. However, is a is is really bad and takes a real nosedive. And again, you bring in Robert Carlyle, another score, um, playing, I want to say a Russian, and <laughs> he's... It's he's, the whole, he's a KGB. Yeah. Or former KGB. Former KGB, yes. Yeah. And it's the nature of the Stockholm Syndrome and a submarine and Denise Richards... And as, a, as a nuclear physicist. As a nuclear physicist. And Christmas only comes Dr. once Christmas a year. Dr. Christmas Jones. Yeah. And it's like... And Christmas only comes once a year. I'm like, what? Is, I remember seeing that in the cinema and thinking, this is terrible. I don't mind the song by Garbage because I like Garbage. That was fine. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah. And then Dying Another Day came out and it was, it was like, oh, this is gone. This is gone. This has to end. And this is the thing. Unlike the sort of like, oh, well, can we keep this rolling? Keep this how it goes. And it's like, you need to do something. You need to stop now. The money was still fine. The money was still rolling in, but the public were just going, nah, we don't like John Cleese. I I have uh so my I didn't see Goldeneye in cinema. I think I was mm-hmm. just a bit too young, maybe, mm-hmm. um or just it wasn't something my parents were interested in going sure, to. Sure. Um, but Tomorrow Never Dies, I did. Um, and so I I again I have a lot of affection for the Brosnan era. Um, I even I have fond memories. I have not gone back and rewatched The World Is Not Enough. Um, mm-hmm. but I have vague fond memories of it. Oh. Um. But I can remember, I have a weirdly vivid memory of uh, seeing the trailer for GoldenEye uh, playing on like a TV in like a uh, a, a big box store, like a, a Curry's or PC World or something, you know, where you have all the, the example TVs and they were just looping the trailer for GoldenEye. Um, and I can remember, yeah, seeing the, uh, it was it was very much focused on that, like the opening sequence where he like, does the bungee jump off the bridge and stuff. Yes. I can remember watching that and going like, oh, that looks cool. Um, and so, yeah, this was really the era, era when, you know, I was getting into Bond. And I, I, th- I think Tomorrow Never Dies does hold up um, mm. pr- pretty, pretty well. I think if I went back and rewatched World Is Not Enough, I would uh, be, be disappointed. But it is also, I mean, that, is the era where we had the first essentially Robert Carlyle in that film is a henchman um and mm. um uh what's the name of the actress uh Sophie Marceau. Sophie, Sophie Marceau Sophie Marceau is the is the mastermind behind it all and I remember a deal a big deal being made out of that at the time mm. even though obviously they they were woman. they were trying mm. to keep it a bit secret because it's done as a twist in the film mm. uh, but I remember there was marketing around it of like, oh yeah, like first female Bond villain, you know, ladies, <laughs> girl, girl, <laughs> boss your way to ruling yeah. the world. You did it, um, women. You did it. Yeah. Um, but so to my in my mind, like, world is not enough. Is is mediocre. Um, and then die another day is a real dip in quality. Um, but that is very much my rose tinted spectacles on the on the past coming into play there i have a similar thing but obviously i was a bit too young to be watching them when i was you know in the 90s but i definitely watched them when they came to tv later on probably you know when i was sort of 9 10 11 12 all that kind of thing 
and I remember enjoying the Brosnan was my first Bond for sure. And I remember enjoying all four of them <laughs> in essentially equal measure because what is time when you're nine, ten years yeah. old? It's all I sat down and watched a Bond film with my dad. I assume they were all basically the same thing. Didn't know any better. <laughs> I I did a fairly recent rewatch, sort of. I want to say it was around about the time we it, I I watched some of them before we did our part one. Funnily enough, mm. and I watched some. I watched the two Dalton films and the first two Brosnan films over a couple of nights and i they're really good goldeneye is one of my favorite bond films fucking great yeah and i think tomorrow never dies is the one that kind of people forget mm. i think people forget that tomorrow never dies and the world is not enough are just like oh yeah they're in the middle somewhere but yeah. tomorrow never dies is very clearly the the better of the brosnan that goldeneye is the pinnacle of the brosnan mm. by a by a it, country it's basically a slide down yeah. it is yeah and the world, I always think the world is not enough is terrible. And it is. But as you said, Tim, it is nowhere near as bad as Die Another Day. And I stand by that Die Another Day is one of the worst. Easily one of the worst. Bond films. Like top top three, as in bottom three, I guess, worst it, Bond films. It was almost a franchise killer. Yeah. That's how yeah. bad it got. But the, the, if you take the narrative plot, it's actually really, it's like Conan and Solace. The plot is interesting. It's just too much Bond baggage that makes it shit. The plot is that there's... I wonder if it's one of those scripts that was written and they were like, uh... Oh, would you stop this as a Bond? Put, put Bond in it? Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Like that, possibly. I know we talk about this a lot, but the perfect example, the Cloverfield franchise yes, is yeah. like, I don't know, uh, Cloverfield. 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, we got this film called Paradox. Fuck that film. Cloverfield Paradox, <laughs> though. Huh? Origins of the Monster. Huh? Particle accelerators in space. <laughs> So, with Die Another Day, um, the story, for those who don't know, by the way, just in case, because we always, we always the, 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 the cardinal sin of us doing this has been the assumption you know all the Bond films. Sorry, everybody. Um, we're, we, yeah, we're, what, British guys in our 30s. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen all the Bonds. Every, every British guy in his 30s has seen yeah. all the Bonds. Of course Even if you haven't, you have. Um, <laughs> but, That's very true. Yeah. Like me and the Simpsons. You've seen them all. Sort of <laughs> through various filters and parodies, and <laughs> you know all the cliches. Yeah. So the story is about North Korea, about this guy who probably is a prince or just ascendancy in general. Just that he's like a general's kid. He's a very high up ranking person, and his plan after he's effectively in inverted commas betrayed by uh, the government is to uh, have his face altered, face off style, so he can infiltrate a very it's just huge company, and then eventually. Just take this weapon, whatever it's going to be, maybe it's a space laser, and wipe out the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, entirely. Mm. Just have it completely uh, wiped out. Carve a path through the minefields that, yeah. that they're keeping. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the idea of like a future sci-fi tech of what would be a big weapon that people can't think of now in the same way that an atom bomb would have been like oh, an unimaginable thing. And allow the North Koreans and the Chinese, whatever, just march the fuck through and dominate. It's like that sounds terrifying. It's like, yes, it is. And on top of that, you've also got the subterfuge of um, the, how the film opens. People were like, Bond can't be captured. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, Bond is tortured and captured in every fucking thing he's in. <laughs> it's, it's bringing in a, a, almost an element of like noir detective, like mm. let's have him get beaten up to show how tough he is and, and that he yeah. can withstand torture kind of stuff. Yeah, he's literally captured by the North Koreans, tortured, and they... they he thinks he's being bought out. Well, like they're just releasing him. 
but it turns out that they he, they, everyone thinks he's sold trade secrets. The actual story is really interesting and could be a really good Cold War sort of style, you know, transitional story. But that's what you get for traipsing around in North fucking Korea, you idiot. But at the same time, it then goes to, but don't worry, Bond escaped. He was held back by his own people, but he escaped. How did he do that? He stopped his own heart. Hm. Right, hang on, what? Yeah, he'd been, he'd been studying for years with Tibetan monks how to slow his heart rate down to, I think, his flatline. But then he brings it back up again, comes out of that arrest. Fucking fairly well, gets out of there. It's like, thank you, Minister for Foreign Affairs. <laughs> I know you think this is real, but that's kind of the point. It's like, that, that's dumb. That's, I mean, that's probably true. You probably, some people have done that as a way of getting, you know, it's literally, I faked my own death to get out of prison kind of shit. Problem is the presentation is wank. So I feel like it could have gone somewhere with it, but the whole time they were just like chasing this strange, he's going to get this paraglider and he's going to surf on a fucking tidal wave. Oh, God. Mm. In early 2000s CGI. CGI and green screening and that some, fucking scene. It's fucking cars invisible. Unbearable. Yeah, it's some real uh, fucking escape from LA type. Mm. It really is. CGI. <laughs> it, it, that is the perfect comparison to it. And it really it, is. It, I think... I think what you're saying is true is like there's the bones of an interesting Bond film there. And even some of the more out there stuff, you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like the 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 henchman um who gets uh like there's a diamond shipment that gets yes. exploded and he gets a bunch of diamonds embedded in his face. <laughs> yes. Um and it's like, okay, that's pretty fucking <coughs> stupid, but it's also very bond. Like, very you know, bond. let's yeah. let's, you know, because let's we'll code all of our villains as you know like they've got to have some kind of physical def- deficiency they've all got a gimmick you know, exactly yeah they've got the a man with the golden gun got a golden gun and, and a third nipple because um, <laughs> any any deviation from the norm signals you out Must as a, as a villain, villain a sinister person yeah. exactly um yeah. Even you even get that again, not to touch on craig just yet but even with the sheaf yeah like, he does the whole crying thing yeah like, mm-hmm. he's got this weird villain gimmick thing <laughs> yeah. this signature yeah. and then again you have um, uh, De Silva, uh, mm. Bardem's character, where he yes. does the, like takes his face plate out yeah. and he's all melty face and stuff, and yeah, they've they've all got these weird little gimmicks, and I actually quite like the diamonds in the face thing. That's quite well, yeah. cool. The diamonds but- in the face thing is fine. The problem I have with it is it's Rick Yune, who's a really attractive, fucking cool, suave bloke, <laughs> and they said, yeah, but diamond in the face thing's like really grim, and it's again amazing visual. So we'll make him look. Like a fucking ghost. Yeah. We'll make him bald yeah. and white. We'll make him, like, we'll make him look like one of the Reavers from Blade 2. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, but, no, just can't be attractive, man. That's not on. Yeah. But I think I think that's the thing is that there's some interesting stuff in there, but then they just pile these la- unnecessary layers on top of yeah. it of like, yeah, Agreed. let's yeah. let's have a fucking let's have an ice palace in there and let's have a fucking uh invisible I mean we I know we keep going on about the invisible car, but it's fucking dumb. Um <laughs> You know, and and all these layers of of excess on top of it, um, and it's a very, it just feel it it feels, and I think it was it like the, it was like the twentieth Bond or the fortieth anniversary or something. I seem uh, to remember it was the twentieth Bond. Yeah, there. So there was meant to be a lot of nods in it to the past, and I think they got, I think yeah, I think they got caught up in their own hype and a little bit. Yeah. I think it's 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 a Bond film of ego, um, you know. It's yes. it's look at what we can do now, and it's like mm, it's early 
2000 CGI, you you, you can't, can't do that much. Um, and if if memory uh, serves, it's Lee Tamahori, uh, who's directing. Uh, um, yeah, I think so. Who mm-hmm. yep. is a New Zealand director who I don't think had a lot of history with like directing big CGI stuff. Mm. Um, he wasn't he wasn't a previous Bond director. He hadn't really done like he'd done good films. Mm. Um, he'd done uh, Along Came a Spider. Yeah, the the Edge and the two. Mm-hmm. Sort yeah, of, like there's the there's, there's decent films in there, but he is not someone who, especially at that point where they where we're in this transition period between. Of of CGI basically taking off that kind of mm. mid nineties to mid two thousands of like okay we can do some really interesting stuff but also we can't it's not to the point where we can just fucking do anything we like yeah um and and I think they just they try to jam too much in it's like oh okay yeah let's let's do North Korea but we also want to do something to do with gene therapy and we want to have bond have a sword fight and we want to have like all oh, this shit and then fencing we'll That's fucking such... put toby stevens in this weird like proto iron man suit at the end where yeah so he can control his sun gun um <laughs> that's a sentence ladies and gentlemen that's yeah. a sentence it's that era, the early seasons. We've touched on this plenty of times before, especially in the the, the most recent season. We had a few films around that sort of era. It's that weird bit where like CGI was cool, but it didn't actually look good, and fucking everybody was like, "Well, it worked in the nineties. Nineties mm. CGI was perfectly fine." Like, you was sparingly, it yeah. Was it though? Jurassic Park did it. It was mostly animatronics assisted with CGI. You fucking idiots. And then. <laughs> I mean, going back to the season finale, like Mortal Kombat mm. and Mortal Kombat Annihilation mm. in 95 and 97 are the perfect example of, oh my God, the CGI looks terrible. Why did you ever think this is a good idea? Use less of it, you absolute nutters. And you get the same thing in this era as well, where like, well, like the PlayStation 2's out now. We've got, we've got multiple <laughs> polygons we can use in a single creature. Oh my God, this is amazing. We've got, we've got all this computing power. Like, have you though? Are you are you sure? The Lord of the Rings had just come out and it was like, they are doing stuff. We're not, yeah. but someone is somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like all the Helm's Deep stuff, I know I've touched on this before, but like the Helm's Deep stuff that is that crowd battle generation thing mm. that still blows my mind to this day that I still don't understand how they did it because I can't program or code. But then you get the invisible car and you get the space lasers and you get the fucking sailing on the parasailing on the wave thing, and it's like who thought this was a good idea? They wrote a script without thinking about budgets or thinking about the actual technological limits or restrictions of the time. And they're like, yeah, it's Bond. It's got gadgets. So <laughs> let's just go nuts. It'll be fine. Like, how are you going to do that? I'm like, well, well, green screening's a thing, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. Like, have you got an actual wave? Like, well, no, we don't. We don't film. A, we're not going to go out and film a wave. <laughs> we can. It's all done on computers these days. What are you talking about? It's a new era. We we can do whatever we like with computers. Like, oh no! And it, the two thousands, I think, is that that sort of five year period, maybe from like ninety eight to like two thousand and three, two thousand five, maybe, is the perfect era of just like maybe use less CGI. You think you think it's good, but it's really not. Yeah. And now these days, you really can kind of do anything and get away with it. Like you will see this entire shot. It's computer generated, and you had no fucking idea. And the example I always use is Wolf of Wall Street, because that film 
every fucking background and every building around the <laughs> characters in that scene is completely CGI, and you would have no idea because technology has come so far that you can get away with that shit. And films that you don't even think like, oh, that's that's all practical. No, it's not. It's either combining the two, or they've used you know, Parasite, another perfect example. That street does kind of exist, mm -hmm. but a load of the buildings don't, and the street is only so long, so not spoiler alerts, but they, they do something to the street. Something happens. They really do like the, the thing in real life, so the actors are actually dealing with something physical, but then everything around them, all green screen, all fake, all CGI stuff, and you can do that nowadays. 20 years ago, no, they couldn't, and I, it really was the, like they... They didn't think about what what's the Jurassic, but they didn't think if they oh they, they, they thought they could, but they didn't think if they should yes, that kind of thing. Yes, but it's like it, it was really that era where I think they were trying to push the the boundaries of Bond and be like, well, we've done exploding this and sleeper dart this and whatever the fuck, like, invisible car. Yes, brilliant idea. It's got the idea of studios pushing, saying we want this, this, and the script has to have this, and it's like we well, usually have this huge budget for practical effects. Well, we don't want to spend that money. We just do it on a computer, and then you give it to the artists, and they're like, "We can't fucking do this, but we'll do the best we can." And then you end up with so like, like cats, and you're like, "Well, that's all a fucking digital artist's problem, isn't it?" It's like, "No, motherfucker, this is your problem in the scripting and directing <laughs> oh, stage." I, mean, I remember how annoyed we got when it was um, the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars with uh, Corden and Rebel Wilson going oh. And like, "Oh well, we look better than we did in the movie, right, James?" And Fuck it's you. like, "Fuck you, that's not the problem." The yeah. CGI, the CGI is kind of fucking amazing. Problem is the fucking the whole everything else is the fucking yeah. problem. You hypocrites! Your lack of fucking singing, you cheeky bastards. <laughs> There's two points I want to make about cast uh, for for Die Another Day, and the thing is, we will focus on Die Another Day more than others because at the end of the day, it's where things went. To, it, it, it almost killed the franchise. I can't stress mm, yeah. So, one is Colin Salmon. People might say, who the fuck is Colin Salmon? He's been playing this character called Charles That's Robinson. not a real name, Matthew. You're making it. <laughs> he's, he's an English actor. He's been um, played this character called Charles Robinson in, uh, I think it's called, in the Bond films in the background. And when you do the cast reading opposite people, I think, I think Rosamund Pike mentioned this, um, you don't have cast reading with the actual actor. Yeah, sometimes you will have like, oh, if you're in the final stages, do you work well with this particular actor for dynamic? Whatever. But it's a huge franchise. There's not enough time. So weirdly enough, Colin Salmon was the person they were using for quite some time. And everyone kept saying, Colin Salmon should be Bond. He's great. It's like, well, no, he's black. He's never going to be Bond. He's a person of color. That's not going to happen. It's like, but he has the really baritone, amazing voice and the suave presence, and he looks good at tux. And it's like, he's he's an English, and he's born, you know, in this country. He's what's the problem? He could be. He's from Bethnal fucking Green. He could be Bond. <laughs> what's the what's the issue here? It's like, I think I just told you the issue. He's not a white man. And it's like, mm. who gives a shit? But the problem is, you know, so anyway, the, the issue, issue is he's a great actor. His presence is great. He's always underutilized. However, there is another person of color we need to talk about. Um, I was going to talk about Michael Madsen, but we're not going to talk about him. Uh, Famous person of color, yeah. Michael Madsen. <laughs> no, we need to talk about the Lady Bond. Oh. Jinx. Uh. Ali Berry, who everyone kind of forgets was yep. a big thing. Almost to the point, I think they were trying to think about spinning off to an American yeah. Bond, which was a lady Bond, Halle Berry. They, they tried to do this, but they were going yeah. to do the film Jinx. And it's like, what it was going to be called. And I, I, I don't fault Halle Berry. It was early 2000s. She was doing fucking Storm and Swordfish. She was doing everything. She was a very successful time. And mm. 
I, it's a job. Why would you turn it down? It's Bond. And also not just being a Bond girl, but being a Bond equal. Mm. And that was always the thing. She's just as sexually promiscuous. She's just as good with guns. She's good in a fight. She's great with things. She's, she's also a spy. And you know what? She give, gives him a run for his money. And God damn, she looks great doing it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> we always go down this road. And I always feel like I don't have a problem with it. I just think women deserve better characters than Bond. Yeah. Um, the, the simplest way is how it was advertised in the trailer, which was, uh, I'm an uh, ornithologist. Oh, ornithologist. Quite a mouthful. Mm. Like a mouthful of cock. It's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an incredibly like late nineties, early two thousands approach to mm. like air quotation marks strong female character, and it's like, yes, well, that just entirely. means she's basically just a man, doesn't it? Like we write a we write her yes. like a dude, and then but, and then but, gender swap, but yeah. but also like we'll stick a bunch of male gaze on there, and we'll have her <laughs> recreate the uh, the Ursula Andress coming out of the water know. stuff, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and so yeah it's it's trying it's very much um you know let's get all the female superheroes to pose together in that one shot <laughs> in endgame kind of approach to feminism i think like like i genuinely think the more interesting character in that film is uh roseman pike's character mm, yeah. um yeah. who's who's essentially betrays bond and, and is a villain but also like that genuine a part of that just feels like, oh, we need a female villain so she can have a fight with Halle Berry at the end, and you know yep. that's, you know, that's how that goes. And it's like, mm, you can't have know. blokes fighting women, can you? Yeah, you don't have women fighting women. It's it's Ugh. it's very, yeah. yeah, it's very early two thousands. It is, yeah. Um, to put it into perspective, Pierce Brosnan was. Let me have a look here. He's currently sixty seven years old. So he would have. He been, still looks good for his age. I think he's still. He would have been forty-eight good. at the time, and Halle Berry is currently fifty-four. So she would have been thirty-five at the time. So, not, not, not an ideal age no. gap. Not the worst that Hollywood seen worse has done. In Bond, but no, you know, it's not definitely Sean not, Connery no. and Entrapment or Sean Connery and uh, anything. Anything he's been in or yeah. Sean Connery and Leave of Gentlemen or whatever. It's, and yeah. Sean Connery was a hundred years old, just being like, yes, oh, I'm, I'm banging this thirty-year-old. <laughs> um, Fucking Indiana Jones. <laughs> right. uh, they, so quickly to touch on Jinx again originally they had planned to spin off uh, Michelle Yao's character that was mm. the original plan to do it and be like she will get her really? own spin off and we'll do that yeah that was the original plan and they, they then tried to I don't think it ever went anywhere basically it was just like oh, yeah we'll we'll do this we'll spin off um, yeah Wylin will get her own thing and yeah that'll work and they're like no, no, that's not gonna work. So, well, now let's try it again with Jinx Johnson. It's like, no. And then I know Halle Berry had a fucking terrible time filming some of those scenes because the bikini scene, she was like, it was the middle of winter or something, and she was catching pneumonia and all this kind of crazy shit. She, she was injured with like a, a, one of the explosions and stuff, but something went in her eye and she had to have an operation. It was a hor horrendous filming mm. experience in general, from what I understand. And then her in, because she shows up as not a similar character, but kind of the same in the second Kingsman film, The Golden Circle, mm. where she's this, yeah, I am I can be a kick-ass woman and I can <laughs> hang with the men and kick some ass and look great whilst doing it kind of thing. 
And essentially she said she took that role to be like, I mean, I never got really a chance to do anything with Jinx. And mm. this is me kind of like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll I'll go for that, that kind of thing. And and uh yeah, using an opportunity to kind of reprise that role mm. for one of better friends. Well, and she does she does similar in John Wick three. Um, oh, of course, yeah. John which, Wick. You know, yeah. again is is not a particularly complex character, but none of <laughs> none of the John Wick characters are particularly complex. Like it's operating in this almost there's a sort of fairy tale logic to John John yeah, Wick. Yeah. Um so I don't think it's it it doesn't matter as much that, you know, Oscar winner Halle Berry doesn't have as much dramatic chops to, to get her teeth into there. She's <laughs> fucking awesome and has attack dogs and that's that's awesome. That's what you need. <laughs> um, what you need a John Wick. Yeah. But I mean it it doesn't surprise me that the the it doesn't surprise me that they tried that they were like, yeah, let's make a Jinx spin-off. And it also doesn't surprise me that it fell through because yeah, I couldn't agree u- more. Yeah. ultimately, like that character is not very well written and and you're trying to spin off a character from what is widely acknowledged as one of the worst films in the franchise, certainly like the low point for that actor. Like, yeah, you're not you've not got the best launch pad to then spin off something from from this like if it had been a character like spinning off from golden eye or something you'd maybe go like oh okay yeah like golden eye was a big hit everyone fucking loves it amazing n64 game um let's uh <laughs> yeah but yeah i think i think um i i dread to think what a jinx film would have actually been like because i don't think it would have been any good catwoman yeah, I, I was just yo. You beat me to yeah. it. Man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just... Look at Catwoman. Look at Elektra. And then it would have. And then it would have been an excuse to go. Well, clearly, See? female fronted films. Female don't characters work. don't work. Female Bond. It just doesn't work. You know. Catwoman is one of the po- most poorly made films I think I've ever seen in my life. It's mm-hmm. horrific. And unfortunately, that and as you mentioned, Matt Elektra, they do the classic like. Well, they're representing women, so therefore, women equal bad movies. So we won't make any more female superhero movies. Like, right? But there's been a bunch of bad male-led yeah. superhero <laughs> movies, and you just keep churning those fuckers out. So, oh, you're doing another Fantastic Four? Brilliant, because that worked so well last time. The previous nine times you've tried. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, well, we can use Goldeneye as quite a nice little uh, segue into the Bond of the Craig era mm. because your boy Martin Campbell comes back. And for years, I had no idea it was the same guy <laughs> that did GoldenEye and Casino Royale because what, what, why, why would that be a thing? Like even I think at that age, I wasn't particularly aware of like directors. It was just, it's a Bond film. I don't care about, I care about who's Bond, who's the bad guy and what cool gadgets he's got and sure. what, one-liners he's going to say and whatever that I never think like oh very clearly this is a classic John Glenn said 15 year old <laughs> Jack it's like no never in a million years would I have said that but the fact that Martin Campbell came back like 11 years later to do a second Bond film mm-hmm. and as you said Matt kicked a lot of ass and made an amazing amazing film that really set the ball rolling for the now current soon to be ending maybe sort of era of bond <laughs> so it opens with in black and white and the fact that it's you know his first kills and they're like don't worry the second is yes considerably that kind oh, of what a line what a line so cool yeah. he's 
drinks Heineken and he's cool. <laughs> it's, it, the thing is, and I sh- I'm not going to do too much here because Martin Campbell has directed two of the best Bond films of all time. Without doubt. Martin Campbell has also directed Green Lantern and can fuck yeah. off. Um, <laughs> so he's not like some perfect savior. But you love Green Lantern, man. Fuck off. Um, What's I, your favourite superhero, man? Green Lantern. Fuck off. C- Campbell, Campbell's kind of a perfect example of a director who is very good when he's doing what he knows how to do. Oh, yes. Um, because his, both of his Bond films are reasonably grounded. I mean, I know GoldenEye still has a lot of like leftovers from, from more era of, you know, like, oh, it's a yeah. thing in space that's going to blow up. But, you know, it's it, compared to some of the others, it's relatively grounded. It's certainly not as silly as, you know, mm. Die Another Day gets. And then obviously Casino Royale is really grounded. Um, and he did, he did stuff like uh, The Mask of Zorro, which was, um, yep. you know, kind of big, sweeping, historical, swashbuckling adventure. Give him fucking, like, every screen is going to have a dozen CGI things spinning around. <laughs> Clearly not his strong suit. No. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, and, and we've mentioned directors and, like, how some are kind of seem to come out of nowhere to, to do a Bond film and some are just real old workhorses and, like... Campbell has a a background in like doing good action films and has continued to do good, interesting action films and thrillers like around Bond. So I don't think it's a surprise that A, they brought him back to, to have another go at restarting the franchise and also that he's produced two really solid films. Yeah. I think there's there's still silly stuff in 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 Casino Royale. Obviously, there's him running up mm. a fucking crane, parkouring around. And, yeah, but but there's an attitude change, and it it lampshades again. It acknowledges but, the problem. But that is all real parkour. Oh yes, it's yes, it's in camera. Obviously, like yeah. the 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 guy he's chasing is the guy who like he's like one of the founders inv- of invented yes. founded parkour mm. as we know it kind of thing. So it is silly, but it's not like. He, they're not on wires and mm. it's not all shit green screen and stuff. There is literally a guy doing that jump from that crane to that yeah. platform. Mm. And that's like a 30 foot drop. And you're like, how the fuck is that possible? Like, yeah, he, he's covered in bruises, but he did it. They got the shot and they nailed it. Which and again, I think it's, it's that difference between having that grounded thing. And, and granted, of course, there is plenty of effects and stuff going on in the background. And that's not, we're not saying like, oh, you have effects. It's a bad movie. That's not how that works. You know, that's not how we mm. think about films. But you do get those big action set pieces, but they're still believable in Casino Royale. Even like him, he's surrounded at the end of the embassy scene with the chase, and he's like, there's like 15 dudes with guns, and he's like, I've got a pistol. I'll shoot this barrel. It's a fucking video game. Shoots yeah, this barrel, barrel takes out 10 of them yeah. for some reason, and then he just goes, and just takes a while. Like, I mean, that's not realistic, but it is Bond. So it's like. Yeah, but I think it shows the difference between like you don't need to go super big to have a thrilling action sequence. You know, you don't need someone two fucking running about in it. You don't need you don't need someone surfboarding on a melting glacier <laughs> with a with a kite to have a thrilling action scene. You can have a bloke chasing after another bloke because it's shot really well, it's shot coherently, and because there's minimal effects work. You know, the the effects work is there to get rid of wires and to you know kind of polish the, the 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 film that you end up with like it feels like there's proper stakes and proper thrills involved rather than just a screen awash with cgi where nothing's happening and i think that's the nature of it isn't it it's, it's the question of can we uh, identify or at least witness peril mm. i don't mean oh shit a huge boulder's fallen on 
fucking Wanda Maximoff. She's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, because if a boulder fell on someone, they'd be crushed and dead. But it's the whole like, but, but she's magical girl. That's mm. the, that's how that works. Bond would get to the same point. It would be the sense of like, oh, but if if a if, if a huge iceberg fell on Bond, he'd be like, oh no, and I'd, he'd shake it off. It's like, no, mm. he'd break his fucking everything, you idiot. Yeah. And that's what this film sort of goes back to. It's like, he gets poisoned, has to do that classic old spy. It's, it's very mm. rustic in the sense like, get me a ton of salt and water, I'll vomit this shit up. Then he goes to have his heart started in a defibrillator in his car. Very simplistic. It's like dumb, but it. But then he goes back, cleans his that, shirt. It's that like, is Hello. really fucking stupid. But it's shot very seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's not shot like, oh, it's a wacky gadget. It's like, why the fuck does he have a defibrillator in his car? And that's not how defibrillators work. Nope. <laughs> it's like magic pads. It does. It doesn't matter. That that. And and it's like he is covered in sweat. He is about to die. You believe him? Like Craig is just pouring himself into this role. Oh, he's on the brink of death. And we actually stop and think like. That's that's bollocks. None of that actually makes sense, but the world that they create makes it believable yeah. in that way, and it, it's got that weird balance between like that is a silly gadget, but it's not so silly that it's not unbelievable. And most audiences, fucking everyone thinks, oh, a defibrillator, it it sorts your heart out, right? That's how that works. Mm. Like, well, no, <laughs> only if you're actively. I remember Emma like gets really annoyed about this. Emma being a nurse who was done like has dealt with actual cardiac arrests and stuff on a weekly basis at this point probably it's like that's not how that works you have to be actively having an an arrest Mm. it then stops and lets the your heart like restart itself essentially and try and return back to its normal it is a tool rhythm for a specific purpose it's not like well i was uh was really unsure if my my banister could be fixed so i got some uh, a tree and i cut it down with a drill what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Every carpenter in the world going, all of that doesn't make any sense. But you're like, but yeah, in Hollywood, defibrillators cool, are just like a solve all. They're, they're a healing tool, potion. Like, yeah. 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 But it, I, I think it gives us enough of a. It, it, because, you know, there was a lot of kind of not controversy, but people were being like, oh, I don't like the fact there's no gadgets in the film. And it's like, I mean, that is a gadget that. But it's done in it's done in an interesting way where it's not like I just press a button and it solves all my problems. It's it feels realistic. It feels because he had to plug the button in. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and and stuff like like having like the remote probe that's like monitoring his vitals, and then you've got two doctors back at the base who are like arguing over what the best course of treatment to what you know based on what he has available to him is. Like that all works to heighten the tension of that scene. Um, and it makes it makes it interesting and makes it compelling, even though the technology is kind of like a mm, okay, it's a bit of a like magic box where you press a button and it gets better. But there's there's still stakes in those scenes, um, and, it, and, and yeah, and especially considering the plot point again, back to the tomorrow never dies kind of thing. The story is we need to have <laughs> we need to to send in one of our agents who's on his first couple of missions. He's a bit of a rookie, but he's good at cards. What? Yeah, hang on, bear with me here. And he's going to take, <laughs> and that's the the great month, the, the great the, the great line. So if we fail, our government will have directly financed terrorism. Now that should be the biggest of stakes. That should be a statement. That should be mm. your mission here. Is yes, okay, fine. There's a bad guy. You need to punch him and get it back. It's like no, no, no. You need to use your cunning, your wile. And your wit to uh, basically suss out the truth, 
the Americans can't afford to. They're tapped out. I just go, their player can't do cards. <laughs> okay. I think there was a Mitchell Webb sketch about how Bond has to guess the weight of the cake or something like that. <laughs> 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 and um, it's like fun fair. So I was like, everybody whack the rat. Anyway, um, but um, it then became the sense of, you know, it's, it's nonsense. But then in truth, it also ages a little bit badly because in 2006, it's like, fuck me, man. That's a lot. That's, that, that's, that's a real blight to imagine. <laughs> Terrorism is the worst thing we can imagine right now because of, you know, 9-11 mm. and all those sorts of things and 7-7 seven, seven bombers and oh my God, it's terrible. And to have directly funded and financed that would be the worst. It's not like we've been doing that for 40 fucking years <laughs> and we're doing it now and it's public and nobody gives a shit. So it's like, it's like saying, what are the stakes? Stakes are this. Oh, so just business as usual then. Yeah. Great. <laughs> oh, normal governmental yeah. day-to-day bullshit. You shot up an embassy, yeah. son. There's consequences. Is, no, there aren't. This is terrorism against us. You know, yeah. that makes it really bad. Whereas when we do terrorism against other people, that's good. That's the good safe terrorism. Yeah, exactly. Casino Royale also had the benefit of it came at a point where there was a big interest in poker. And to have a game anchored around a poker game, uh, a fi- sorry, a film anchored around a poker game, people there was a there was interest in that and it obviously it's quite a, like a blokey thing especially at that point but that also taps into like the core bond audience of like oh yeah I'm, uh, yeah man's man I, I like my uh, i like my james bond because it's you know this yeah sort of fast cars and you know and he plays poker and stuff like that and he shoots some people it's it's the fast cars fast women but his pace doesn't race because he's sitting there at the poker table doesn't give you anything. Nothing. It's like, what the fuck off? He can keep his cool, can't he? He can, he can his cool. Have a he heart can get attack, poisoned, back. and he's back at the table soon. Yeah. No no bloodshot eyes or anything. Not like out of breath. He's just like, I'll have another drink. It's like, what? I mean, Has anybody seen professional poker players? They look like absolute eccentric <laughs> fucking nut jobs. Or yeah. wearing like tiger-striped cowboy hats. Yeah. They look like fucking people from Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. And also, all genders. <laughs> yeah. not just some that men too. Yeah. but um, usually it's the capital behind it tends to be a white man yeah. uh, with his government's money um, no surely not moving away from Casino Royale for a second to Quantum of Solace because that one is immediately after and they go a little too far I think Quantum it's of Solace is really fine. weird that it's a direct sequel yeah. mm, and this it's is the first time they've properly done yes. that in the franchise and that's the key thing they did character development in the first one they did an origin story and you get to know Bond for the first time in 20 fucking movies and character development, and like, oh god, this is the way he is. That's why he like has real problems with women and trust issues because you know he's an idiot, and also that's why he probably doesn't have a problem with all the sex he's having because his balls have been smashed to pieces. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's all grounded and realistic, except this guy who's taking a rope and with a knot and doing some amazing sort of like <laughs> smashing his balls. It's like, yeah. Anyway. Um, God, it's so cool. It's so cool. He can take it. He's so hardcore. Like, I don't want. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm not kink shaming anyone, but cock and ball torture is not my thing. Thanks. <laughs> Mads Mickelson's cool, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, would you do it for Mads though? No, that's no, I don't want cock and ball torture. I'm good, thanks. It's, that's. Okay. I do everything to protect so these fucking hid- things. Hideo Kojima saw that scene and like a light bulb went off in his head. <laughs> well, he you got then uh, Mark Forster coming in, who'd done things like. Um, at that point, the Kite Runner, which is a great mm-hmm. adaptation. And yeah, that's good. Yeah, Finding yeah. Neverland and Monsters Ball. And some really, he's like, mm. we need to ground this more. Grounding is where it's at. Let's make it a problem. 
what's the thing? It's like, it's about water in the fucking desert and oil. And it's like, oh, Chinatown. Shit, okay. <laughs> and again, the story makes complete sense. The grounding is there. The problem mm. is, it's fucking dull. Mm. It's just kind of boring. And, and there's some bad direction in that film. Oh, like God. That first, the first chase scene is incomprehensible. Because you essentially have Bond in a car, the villains in the car, the cars are identical. You can't really tell like what is going on. No. Um, it's really disorienting and it's not a great start to a, a film. And then you have the the finale is in a hotel where the walls are made of hydrogen or something like that. Or, like, oh, they're, fuck they're, you that. <laughs> they're all hydrogen fuel cells or something like that. It's very weird. Again, it's like the, there's the bare bones of an interesting story there with like, you know, the the, the terrorists or the, the, the evil conspiracy is trying to control water knowing that it's going to be this like super valuable natural resource in the future Mm -hmm. which is actually based on some like real life corporations who've done that shit where they've bought up the main supply of natural water in a country and then get to sell it back to the government at ridiculously inflated prices didn't like nestle do that or some shit uh they've they've done some shit like that yeah yeah. and that's that's Um, the point it's something that's a little too grounded. It's not the constant gardener. It's not Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's not that, mm. that sort of like what we have expected from this thing. But it's not. It's not John Le Carre basically. But it's it's yeah. like oh, this is this is a little too realistic. We're all reading the Da Vinci Code at this point. We kind of want yeah. a bit more big, I guess. Yeah. Can you blow up a tube or something? We're uncomfortable <laughs> about that. <laughs> I say that because where we're about to segue to. He's just an individual who carries on and his story will continue. It's not like just a you know, uh, status quo wipe at the end of a sort of sitcom episode. Yeah. And also it is elevated slightly by Skyfall because of the nature of the whole puppet string thing. It's like, oh, it's all part of it. Okay, it's not just this, this bad guy was very meh uh, by Matthew um, Omerick. It's just mm. the idea that it's just like, oh no, hang on. He's just, okay, I see where you're going here. That's a bit of a... I, okay, it's, it's fine. And you sort of muscle through it. It's like, again... Anything in a long-running franchise, you'd say, I have to have this plot, but it's a weaker story. But I'll just I'll just watch it or skim it. It'll be fine. And then you get to the stage where you're at um Skyfall and everyone's saying this is crazy, it's the first bond film to make a billion dollars. And I still don't know. I still think it's very hard to identify why this is a good Bond film. But we'll get so, Skyfall. Skyfall is a good film. It's very entertaining. It also is interesting how this man goes from it's my first mission, the second one is a lot easier, bang, 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 I'll invent a cocktail, to I'm tired, I'm done, <laughs> I want to retire, my colleague shot me. Which again comes back to that whole women. Like, thank you, Bond. Um, and she's decommissioned yeah, from the field. It's kind of fascinating how Bond goes from like this is my first mission to I'm fucking retiring in the course of about... <laughs> Eight months. Um, yeah, what the life does do, I guess. Especially, yeah, because because Quantum of Solace is a direct sequel. Yeah. Like, there's there's not a lot of time covered there. Um, but yeah, no, I think I mean I think Skyfall is where they started. Like you say, they they kind of overcorrected with Quantum of Solace. It's a little bit too grounded. It's a little yeah. bit too yeah. like. We mentioned how like Le Chiffre is is interesting because he's quite a grounded villain. Um, like he's not got a huge. He's just he's a financier basically of like yeah. you know uh, uh, he's the the terrorist money man. But he's still got that James Bond thing of like oh he's got a creepy thing and he weeps blood and like all that kind of stuff. He even says it's just a defect. It's nothing as sinister. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, but it is. Oh yeah, creepy. It is. Whereas like a European. 
like Dominic Green. Dominic Green, like classic Bond villain I, name, I, Dominic Green. I could not tell you a thing. Like I like Matthew Almerich as a as an actor. I've seen him be good in in, in a couple of things. Yeah. But like, could not tell could not tell you an interesting thing about him. I don't. I can't remember like a notable henchman in that film. Like he's good point. Neither do I actually. There's 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 nothing there. Like the and the plot is so. Like you say, it's very Chinatown. It's very mundane. It's like, what's what's our plot? Well, we're gonna buy up all the water in this place, okay? And then what? Well, then we're gonna, in a few years' time, when that becomes an issue, we'll then have control of the water and we can sell it back at an inflated price. It's like, oh, so you're do- you're doing what corporations do daily, and like it's awful, but you know, like it's it's horrible, horrible shit. But it's also it's the kind of thing that you'd watch like a documentary about rather than watch a James Bond film about. It's a, it's a Netflix special, isn't it? Yeah. And so I think with Skyfall, they try and start bringing back in gently some of the tropes and things, yeah. tropes, but mm. adapted to modern day. So, you know, yeah. Hugh is no longer giving you, you know, a fucking gyrocopter. He's giving you a radio and a gun, and then he's Excellent. sitting back at base and doing hacking. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that the return to form, the idea of like, this is a Bond film with all the stuff and all the familiar tropes. It's got the it's got the slight wink to it, but not enough mm. that becomes obnoxious yet. Um, yeah, but and it doesn't it doesn't treat them as oh these are stupid things wink wink, not challenging. Just it treats them as like okay, they were interesting at the time, but they need rejuvenating for a new audience. But like, yeah. what is the modern version of you know? what Q looks like what is the modern version of mm-hmm. you know well the, uh, the 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 new m basically yeah um yeah there's there's loads of things i mean weirdly enough i think i've read an interview this years and years ago but uh Amaric was going for it was with dominic green he was going for a tony blair apparently that's yeah. sort of like weird half smile like charm like, hello and it's like oh like, <laughs> you are very creepy what the fuck is going on yeah that's sort of like i will Get out of this! I will weasel out of whatever is coming. Mm. He's, he's, yeah. That, that's all I could tell you. So like, he's kind of weaselly. Weasel. Whereas Javier Bardem in Skyfall is a very interesting adversary because, again, they picture him as a, an alternate version of what Bond could be if his life gone mm. differently. He's, he's the Black Mirror. He's the dark side. Yeah, the other side of the coin, all that kind of thing. And he also, he also likes boys. Whoa! But then also, maybe James does too. Mm. He went to private school. We all know what happens there. He is still eccentric. He's still mm. effeminate and effete and odd and quirky and has a <laughs> face that comes out and reveals a sunken... I hate my shine, I can't it didn't work. <laughs> it's like, okay, sorry. Um, and it's, it's, it's the death of M. Now, we didn't mm. mention in our Brosnan stuff the actual death of Desmond Llewellyn as Q. So you had to hand mm. off and the whole R thing felt like terribly... Unbalanced and just all over the place, but the retiring of the character of him felt like a legacy thing. It felt mm. like Judy Dench had served at times. Like that was actually like a significant period and stuff. And it's frustrating because everything in Skyfall is fantastic. It's a really solid film. It's a lot going for it. More of that character development feels like the end of the story, whole end of the chapter. But it still tries to go. Uh, how are we going to get to Scotland in time from London? Oh, I know. I've got this fucking Aston Martin and it's like oh and she's like oh can you slow down a bit Bond oh really and he flicks the fucking little red button on the, yeah, on the uh, seat. gear seat yeah. and he's like, oh, oh go on then go on check me it's like this is stupid <laughs> it's like this is a work outing 
he's driving that he's literally he's driving his boss to a effectively a meeting <laughs> and they're making witty bants and i'm not happy i'm not really here for it they can um, stop at the motorway services on the way and get, yeah i want to see the meeting yes exactly i want to see them eating a shitty whopper and just him complaining about it and her saying actually it's all right i've never had one before and <laughs> or alternatively then putting in a lay-by and doing a bit of fucking dogging because that's bond well. <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ matthew but the point is that uh, Skyfall has a lot going for it because it's the end and it feels like an actual appropriate end. It really does, yeah. And the fact that it isn't frustrates me. And I, can, I think that's why it became the most successful Bond film because ultimately it had all the things from the other two that were previously grounded. Cool, we're here now. We're, it's, it's Bond, but it's still Bond. Mm. And it's very heightened and all over the place. You still got the character development going on. More development than Bond's ever had, like three films in a mm. row. Mm. And it's got all the whole like, wait, you thought this was the truth. This is the world. Oh my God, that's amazing. And it gives you closure and an end, as well as all the tropey things you're expecting. So it's like, oh, it's like, we're back in the rhythm, baby. I've got mm -hmm. it. This is it. This is it. And you're like, yeah, but, but it's over now, right? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a shame that they chose not to to make a big seismic shift mm. but but that's classic hollywood of like oh well this one was really successful so let's just do that again which is basically mm -hmm. what spectre becomes because it is oh well okay well we tied it all up previously but let's tie it all up again in a double knot which basically just means it's more complicated and it will take you long <laughs> to get your shoes off I've, the the <laughs> metaphors abandon me now um, nope I, I loved it, Tim. I was there the whole time. I, I do want to put out, you can tell that Skyfall was made in 2012 because uh, obviously, like, as we said, Silver's a, an interesting villain. Like, There's the stuff of him being kind of this reflection of of uh, both Bond and M, where like he was her previous kind of favourite uh, mm. and stuff like that and talking about all those things. But you know it's 2012 because they capture the bad guy in the second act of the film or the, the kind of the uh, first half of the second act and put him in a big transparent cage. <laughs> yeah, we need him in a big glass box for reasons. Yeah. Just keep an eye and on him. And it turns out yeah. he meant to be captured. Oh, no. Oh, and then he's the going to escape his transparent box. Thing. See, the, the thing as well that's quite interesting is that it does make a statement about imperialism and boasts and being comfortable. So in... I want to say, yeah, it, must be one, it was one of the Brosnan films. There's a really beautiful 90s building in Vauxhall in London, which is the SIS building, the MI6 building. It's a really nice sort of like uh, deco revival kind of thing going on. Mm. Um, and I think it's just called the SIS building. And it looks very 90s and very of its time. And that was like, well, where is, where is the, the secret, secret agent office? All the, where, where's Q working out of? Where are these things? And it's always just like, don't know, just a big wood panelled room somewhere <laughs> in Whitehall somewhere. That's just what it is. It's London, isn't it? Whereas they get confident in the late 90s and you're like, we don't really fear anyone anymore. We never do. We're sort of a post imperial nation. So uh, we'll just bigger, build a big, big fucking building on the fucking river. It's like, what? And then finally, when it comes to Skyfall, we're going to bomb it. It's like, what? How did you know we were here? You told us. You put it on the fucking You could door. literally Google it. A few years ago, James Bond rode a rocket boat out of it and then chased <laughs> someone to the Millennium Dome. Yeah, you fucking idiot. You just left really open and obvious how to be captured. And then there's a confidence of Q saying, they won't go through our security systems. I programmed them. 
I used to work for you. I know you're stupid for security systems. <laughs> oh no, bugger, we've been completely ruined. My tea has fallen. <laughs> oh, get me some jammy dodgers. We're mm. in a pickle. Fuck you. And the, it's uh there's there's that that kind of conservatism uh, at play there where it's like the worst thing that could possibly come and attack you is the person who used to be an employee and then you've pissed them off and now they know all your secrets. <laughs> it's like yeah. It's also how the CIA see like dictators they've set up and yeah. like, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it would have been really bold if they had done, you know, they kill off M and you have Bond as Daniel Craig Bond retire there and he completes his little trilogy. And I mean, even if he, instead of like, I'm ready to get back to work, M or whatever he says yeah. at the end, like, I would really kind of like, even like a call back to the Roger Moore stuff. And like, I hope it's not as bad for the next guy or something like that. <laughs> and just like, and then establish that Bond a is a code name yeah, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. Even though mm, Skyfall, he he has a childhood with yes. Mr. and Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Bond, mummy <laughs> <laughs> and da- mummy and daddy Bond. So it's like, mm, yeah, don't worry. He also work. skied in the Alps with somebody. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Fucking hell. But I really wish they'd kind of gone for that bold ending and really just gone like, ah, fuck it. Judy Dench, her character's dead. Daniel Craig's going to retire, and then we're going to move on to the next phase of Bond. Whatever we do next is going to be different and interesting, and mm. probably another white guy doing <laughs> white guy shit. And, mm. Yeah. Well, it's like we said at the beginning of the episode. Like it brought it full loop. You can very yeah. much imagine that you know he goes like, "Oh, okay, but glad to be back at work, M." And then Ray Fine slides a file over the desk that says, "Like people think there's a dragon on this Jamaican island. Go yes. find out what Doctor No's doing." Yeah. Entirely. And uh, what's really strange to me about Skyfall, because you're right, it, it does feel like, as I was mentioned before, it feels like the, the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning, whatever you want to phrase it as, the, the sort of the, the connecting loop. Now go back and watch the Sean Connery stuff. It makes sense now. Now you know why he is the way he is. Brilliant. Love it. There's also a very odd undertone in this movie. The thing I'm like, hmm. And that's a bit of a conservative Republican sort of thing, which is, which is always phrased up. David Cross says very well, don't tell me what to do. And that's basically the other thing. It's about the Q agent, like, oh, you know, well, I can do all the stuff you can do. It's like, well, yeah, but sometimes you need a man with a gun. I could do more sat, sat in my pants with a cup of tea than you can in a six weeks in the field, Bond. No, Jammy Dodgers, we're in a bit of a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> and while he gets that, the other big story, I think Helen McCrory is the character, is government oversight. And there's a government inquisition panel saying, look, listen, you've been breaking the law all over the world. Your, rec- your rates are terrible. Your actual performance is awful. But don't worry, M- as Judy Dench gives a staring speech, and then they get attacked and saved by a bond. It's like, well, you know, if it wasn't for a bond, we wouldn't have had this fucking problem. We'd be fine. Like, well, no, if it wasn't for Bond, we wouldn't have had been problem in the first place. If you wouldn't be meddling. It's the cause and solution to all of our problems. It's the Batman argument. It's like, are there more yeah. villains because there's a Batman? Or is there less crime because there's a Batman? It's like, well, it's like, well, Bond saves us from this bad guy. Who's the bad guy? He's the guy that we fucking trained up and left yeah. in the band and emotionally manipulated. But that's not the point. Um, and also the idea that it then does the thing of who's the bad guy? Well, it's not the rogue agent on his own. It's the government. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, fuck the government. But also, it's not that, it's, it's oversight. And yes. it's the whole idea of like, I shouldn't it's, be held it's responsible. It's the Republican mentality, yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. small it's, government and all that shit. And it, it's, the, it's the, 
why is the bad guy in every fucking cop show and movie internal affairs? Like, surely those are the people who... <laughs> yeah. You know, like, mm, uh, I think they're there to stop corruption, right, guys? Yeah, yeah like, the implication is purely, surely that those are the guys you want because they're keeping everyone on the straight and narrow, not yeah. that, oh, fuck those guys because they're stopping us from beating suspects? Question yeah. mark? It's it's not like we're 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 we were talking about this in our in our interseason opener with the social network. The inquiry panel of the government is kind of the good guy, not the government themselves, whether it's American, mm. British, or otherwise. It's the idea Facebook of are doing some dodgy shit, yes. and they should probably yeah. be called the, out on it. The idea that there should be oversight, and that when people break the rules that have been agreed by a democracy, there should probably be consequences. Accountability, to that. motherfuckers. Nope. Not to tie it into the MCU again, but I'm going to do it. It's the Civil War argument. Yeah. Should should you be registered if you're essentially a walking nuclear bomb? Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Do we fight for our freedoms and our free speech? <laughs> Yeehaw, America! <laughs> or do we register with the government and essentially a human weapons that yeah. can be pointed in any direction and used by corrupt people in governments? Oh no! Ah. See, if I'm if I'm if I'm reading into it too much, which we always do sometimes, this. We do kind of sort of general presentation in 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 films and 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 fiction and stuff adds to this weird almost conspiracy theory of like yeah you know what i don't need a microchip in me from bill gates i don't need to be told who's going like nobody cares about what you're doing we're talking about the man who's just stormed an embassy two films ago and shut it up that's who we're worried about and he probably shouldn't do this and this whole agency it takes the argument from the end of a few good men where Jack Nicholson says, I'm on that wall. You need me on that wall. And it's like, right. And why is that? It's the, I eat breakfast two miles from, you know, people trained to yeah. kill me. And it's like, I'm as calm as I can be. A court does nothing. It's like, yeah, but that was, again, the court said you were wrong mm. and you will be found guilty. You will be tried accordingly because we have a system of laws, not people with guns who decide and just say they're going to do what they want. Whereas now it's yeah. back to, you know what? Jack Nicholson had a point. Yeah. It's like, no, he no, he didn't. That's yeah. the whole point. He he's a basic performance, but so he's That's the bad the guy. The he doesn't. Why, why do we need all these rules and regulations? I'm a good person, so I'm not going to do wrong. It's like, yeah, it's not for you, motherfucker. Yeah. You, like, but then we start building this consciousness of like, like, you know what? My fucking toaster should be more powerful. My Hoover should. Be, you know who's holding me back? It's the fucking governments. Well, not this government. Well, who is it then? <laughs> it's the foreign government in Belgium. Oh, the bloody EU. And the, it's like. This general <laughs> mentality that somebody is telling you you can't do the things you want to do. Like, what is it you want to do exactly? I don't know. I just feel a bit tired. So, well, <laughs> that's probably someone else's fault. And that's the. I want to go out and go to pubs and stuff. I'm like, well, you can't because the government says so. Yeah. Have you thought and about that? The evil scientists, as we've learned from James Those Bond. Bloody experts. And, yeah, as we've learned from James Bond, especially Austin Powers, scientists are evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like if you're intelligent, Maybe have your doctorate and uh, if, and a volcano lair, possibly, you know? yeah, with a lot of money. But it is it's 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 the seeds, the slow push. I'm not saying it's a conscious thing. I'm just saying the, the nature of progression of society. Anyway, what what while we're all riled up, we should talk about Spectre. <laughs> I was gonna God. say, yeah, Skyfall made a billion, great, but Spectre brings back everybody in terms of like cast crew and stuff and it's like oh it's fucking mendez men of course mendez is going to make a great Sam fucking, mendez is back yeah, yeah great make a great uh bond film 
which somebody hadn't done since John Glenn. Like, yeah. they hadn't had a director come, come back straight back. Yeah, following. Yeah, as, as we talked about in our uh, or did a breakdown in our um, live stream recently. Yeah, and uh, obviously we would have got into this <laughs> in much more detail at the time. But uh, so go so go check that on YouTube and it's currently up and things. That's very good chat and things. But Spectre is a little bit Quantum of Solace and it's dismissive and forgettable. The problem is that it also adds a load of things that invalidates all the stuff in Skyfall. And you're like, oh. So while Skyfall elevates Quantum of Solace a bit, Spectre brings everything else down a little bit. Yeah, yep, I agree. And it's frustrating because the casting is great, the performance is technically sound, it makes sense in a way, but then it comes back to he's strapped into a chair and he's like, I'm not going to interrogate you and he's got a cat and it's like, Oh no! We started with that whole "I'll I'll go on then Bond eject me from this car" to we're back here again, are we? Great. Mm. And another treacherous woman. She's French. <laughs> so my <laughs> I I I haven't seen Spectre since I saw it in cinema. Oh, mm. I thought we had to say you hadn't seen Spectre. Uh, well, kind of, uh, because <laughs> I've. I went to see Spectre with my parents when I happened to be incredibly hungover and I had to leave the cinema twice to go throw up in the toilets. We assume that was the <laughs> alcohol, but really it was just Spectre. Yeah. Uh, so it was all the thallium poisoning. My, my, uh, my memories of Spectre are very spotty, um, but it is, it's that terrible thing of like, you can't try, you've already had a certain degree of like, let's wrap this all up in a bow. And if you then try and add an extra layer onto that, it, it like you say, it invalidates the previous conclusions. And like you say, we've we've they've given Bond this arc through these films. Like the first film, he's a new agent and he like fucks up, you know, kind of badly. And you know, the, the we see him kind of get getting traumatized almost. Second film's about him coping with that. Third film is about him finding his place in the organization and kind of deciding where to go from there yeah that's a that's a great arc if you then add and then in the fourth film it's like <laughs> well where there's no the, the 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 arc that you've taken him on there's nowhere really left to go like which means you then need if you're gonna if you're gonna do more you need a really good plot an actual plot because you've lessened the degree to which you can do character development it can't be as much a character driven film and the plot is not good either like, <laughs> nope. I could not even tell you what the what the Spectre scheme is beyond it being vague revenge, vague revenge on James Bond because Daddy Daddy liked him better. Yeah, it it it, it and to be fair, again on paper, that is a very very realistic premise. That's a premise of like what? Well, two toffs uh, <laughs> decided <laughs> that one toff was liked a little bit more than the other toff. So basically, and, and that's why war. we had a war. Yeah, it's like wow, thank you. That's the origin of World War One. I. <laughs> I hate that it ties everything together. We touched on this earlier, but the fact that Quantum is a subsidiary of Spectre because <laughs> Quantum was used because they couldn't use Spectre because they didn't have the rights for the name yet. Yeah, like well, we'll just invent another silly fucking acronymed, you know, super spy organization. It'll be fine. Oh no, wait, it's one of the branches, one of the tentacles of the octopus of Spectre, and so was Raoul Silver. Like, <laughs> no, he had a very personal vendetta. We've established mm -hmm, this in the last mm -hmm. film that the whole thing and why he's a compelling villain 
is that he has ties to M. Mm -hmm. And he's not tied to Bond, he's tied to M. And that makes him different from other Bond villains. That's why he's... No, he's secretly after Bond as well, because Christoph Waltz told him so. What? What? Why? Why why would you even try to just have Quantum be a separate thing? It doesn't fucking matter. But they had to make Blofeld Blofeld. They couldn't just have him be another villain. He had to be... The author of all your pain, James. <laughs> he he had to be the the mastermind yeah. behind the whole thing because that's what Blofeld is. When you think of Blofeld, you think of him as Bond's nemesis. Mm-hmm. He is, as you said, Matt earlier, the, the Moriarty to his homes. He is the the Joker to his Batman. He is the antithesis and all this kind of shit. But don't do that. You can do something else with that character. Make Ernst Stavro Blofeld something different and something interesting, which they also did and made him Franz Oberhauser yeah. and made him his fucking brother. And then he just kind of forgets to mention that that ever happened. And as you said, Tim, kind of undoes all of the fucking Skyfall stuff. I was like, oh, Kincaid never mentioned your brother. <laughs> you know, you went back to your family fucking home like six months ago. What happened to that? Why has nobody. Oh, the long lost sibling thing is such bollocks i would love it absolutely love it uh, as by time of release we'll go at that sort of time now so maybe 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 i'm maybe i'm right maybe i'm proven correct i would absolutely fucking love it if Zack snyder's justice league is actually that dark side is joker's dad and <laughs> also maybe blew up krypton and also he's made the first yeah. fish which killed Aquaman. It's like, what is this? I, I would put, I would put money on he blows up Krypton. Yeah, almost, almost entirely. That's that's so stupid. And, that's... and like the fact that Doomsday, whatever the fuck Doomsday was in that mm. fucking movie. Oh yeah, Zod boy created from Zod was like a plan by yeah, Danny yeah, goodness yeah. to tie it all because Kryptonian DNA is a is a cancer on this galaxy, and I'm here to destroy. Fuck off. Yeah. Not everything needs to tie together. Not everything, I don't know, we talk about it a lot, not everything needs to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, you can have standalone fucking movies, even in a series, even in a franchise. Mm-hmm. Because we've had that for the last 20 fucking movies <laughs> for all of the other Bonds. Yep. They don't all need to tie together and all be, oh yeah, this guy's this guy's. As long as you plan it yeah. and do it well. And if you plan it in advance and if you sow the seeds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe maybe if they're what and if they had the rights at the time again that kind of muddies the whole situation but if they had had the whole spectre thing oh yeah little little tweaks that have been little, something little sneaky little always oh, a little somebody's wearing an octopus ring in casino royale and if you really pay attention mm-hmm. you see one of the other poker players He's got an octopus ring. <laughs> Interesting. What does that mean? And all the like bond nerds would be like oh that's a cool nod. Mm. And then eventually it comes back around yeah. and then they tied it into Quantum Solar somehow. I don't particularly care about Quantum Solar. <laughs> and, and then so make, make it work. It. Yeah, if you, if you lay the groundwork, it can work. But they fucking didn't. And it has great moments. Like the helicopter fight, the barrel rolling helicopter bullshit. The opening like, scene is fantastic. Everyone, everyone it, undeniable, the Day of the Dead Mexico City the stuff. The Day of the great. Dead Mexico City stuff is brilliant. And... They legit had a helicopter pilot doing barrel rolls, not above the crowd, because that would kill people, but that is legit helicopter pilotry stunt work, which is mental flying a helicopter upside down for real. And it's so cleverly shot and well-structured and stuff. And 
even the, the, the train and him adjusting his suit and mm. all that sort of stuff, that's classic Bond. And Batista's great as this kind of oh, I don't big... know. I don't think I like Batista as the henchman. I think it's stupid. No, no, no. In theory, oh. he is great <laughs> on, as this paper, big, like, yeah, Jaws-style henchman. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. On paper, he is. Because it works in Blade Runner. Really well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's just, this towering kind of big... give him a pair of tiny little glasses. Mm. Exactly, yeah. He's a six foot five, like, what, 26 stone, 300 pound dude <laughs> yep. who is legit that big mm. and mm. covered in tattoos and absolutely terrifying. But you just don't... Mr. Hinks is just... First of all, it's a shit name. <laughs> and they just don't do anything with him that isn't... Does he have like claws or something? Some bollocks or something? Oh, it's just. He has no dialogue. He doesn't talk until the last scene where he goes, oh, shit, or something. And he gets blown out of the window. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's Jaws, but badly done, yeah. basically. Yeah. By the way, my, my uh, Snyder Cut prediction is that they will play up Lex Luthor being like a prophet of Darkseid. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Because, yeah. because why have him be a villain in his own right when we can knock, tie knock, it into knock. the fucking. Course. Yeah, anyway. I hear the knocking. Knock, knock, knock. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Um, but I was going to say, in addition, we've got to talk about the fact that not only does Skyfall end the story of M after whatever, 20 years ago, whatever it is, and it's great. She comes back. Inspector. Oh, my God. I'm about to say this. It's like Jamie Kennedy. Um, <laughs> because uh, Jamie Kennedy is killed. Spoilers, I guess. In Scream 2. They bring him back in a video recording in Scream 3. <laughs> to give some 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 wisdom, some pearls of wisdom that he records, mm. and that actually is fine. Nothing necessarily wrong with that because he's a paranoid idiot who's you know that where he that actually makes sense for that character. You have a scene where M has to give like this previous, you know, here's your final mission, Bond. Mm. Here's a recording of me saying it. You know, it can't be that he's now just you know moved on. This is him now. This yeah. is his life. These are the most important parts of who he is and his character. It's like, oh, but there's one last thing mummy told me to do. Nanny told me to fetch some eggs from the supermarket. <laughs> Great, wonderful. Um, and again, back to that government oversight, Andrew Scott comes in as, what the fuck they call his character? C! Some other shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's actually, he's, you know, it's the Hydra thing. He's actually a Spectre agent placed in the government. Oh, the government was wrong. I told you that government was wrong. <laughs> we don't to be answering to no government. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because the, the entire plot of Spectre is irrelevant. It is just an mm. origin story for Blofeld. How does he get the scar on his face? When does he look like Blofeld? Yeah, when does he look like what we expect? Which is like... Blofeld in the Bond in the original Bond films kept being played by different actors because yeah. it was like, oh yeah, he gets like plastic surgery to look like different people. The only reason we have that as the iconic Blofeld look is because fucking Austin Powers again. Yeah. He's, he's like Donald Pleasant's played a definitive version, but Austin Powers cemented it as the definitive yeah. version. He got a creepy scar. Um there are multiple Blofelds. Um and some were bald, some have hair. Some have scars, mm. some who don't. And it kind of makes sense in the way that Die Another Day makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I've had this whitening chair where I make my yeah. skin white. It's like, what? <laughs> um, but it, again, it's, it's the, like, I don't actually have a problem with 
Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, I have a problem with the fact that the script is too dumb. Yeah. And his plot is dumb. And he ends up being a, taken like out. Like we said, it's a great piece of casting. It's a great idea. Yeah, entirely. And him on Westminster Bridge in a helicopter going, ah, James, I've noticed. I've got nothing to say. Because he has nothing. He has nothing. He's, he's, most, he's at his coolest, but he's at a table and he just turns in that sort of fucking eyes wide shut moment. Like, oh yeah, I know you're here. I was like, mm. oh crap. And that was in the trailer. And that's it. And then he goes back to, I'm just going to strap you to this chair and give you a, a drill to your skull and that'll be the end of it. It's like, all of this for strapping him in a chair and putting a drill in his head? That's, that's been your thing for 40 fucking years? The, the author yeah. of all of your pain. Yeah, and you wrote the same but, shitty book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually do anything with any of that or any of it actually matter. I've been the author of all I've your I've set up subsidiaries of my giant super spy organization to drill you for a couple of minutes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the dream, right? Wink. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone through all this trouble just to drill you for a few minutes. Very underwhelmingly. Like, yeah, that does sound like most people in life. <laughs> that sounds like a white man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's like, also, I've got a cat here. There's a pussy joke there somewhere. Um, Yay. But the point is that it's just so very underwhelming. And it's, it's not as, in, as offensive as it should be. It's quite forgettable. Um, and again, I don't know if that's going to be elevated, sullied, course corrected, explained away with the next film. And who gives a fuck? That's not the point. A film is a standalone at the end of the day. And just because, you know, uh, Endgame elevates Thor the Dark World doesn't mean Thor the Dark World is suddenly much better than it was. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> it makes it more important, but that's because like saying, well, no, 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 no. And also, you know, Eric's here. It's like, don't talk about Eric. Like, no one gives a fuck about him. <laughs> I'm talking about the Trumps. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, um, there are some good sequences in Spectre. There's some good stuff going on. As I say, the extra stuff of like, it's trying to twist in a way that is clever. It's trying to be a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but it knows its audience won't understand Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy the first time around. No offense, Jack. But it'll do the thing whereby it will, it will dumb it down so much that it becomes panning for gold. You find the gold, then pan that down too, so it becomes some little tiny little crumbly bits. There you go. That's, that's for you. That's the gold you get. But great, thanks. And in, in, unfortunately, in exchange, we talk about it being like, oh, it wasn't as good. Well, the, it still made eight hundred and eighty fucking million dollars. <laughs> it made yeah. it made more, as I said earlier, almost than Quantum of Solace and Casino Royale combined. For fuck's sake. Well, that is a discussion and run through the more recent modern era of Bond. I guess we'll do a little follow up when No Time to Die comes out at some point. Yeah, but probably before we all sequelize Spectre at some point. Well, really yeah, that too. Or Quantum of Solace. Or whatever. Yeah. That'll come up again, folks. Don't worry. If you have any thoughts, any general suggestions about potential future Bond content for us to discuss, let us know. Hit us up on social media where Sequelizers on pretty much everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sequelizers.com is the hub for all of our information. You can find all of our contact details, our shop, our Discord, our Patreon. All that lovely stuff in one little sequelizers hub at sequelizers.com. If you want to follow me and discuss why GoldenEye is great, but Die Another Day is one of the worst Bond films ever, 
I am JLW Chambers on pretty much everything again. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Matt, how about you? Ogs. St- Ogs. S <laughs> <laughs> D O G. Don. <laughs> Stog Don. <laughs> Don. Corleone. Um, S T O G H Z on the social media. And you can go to the red right hand at Cody UK to read my reviews, or you can go to cheesemeat.com to see the things that I make. Tim. Uh, what's your name, Tim? Hmm? Lad. Trivia underscore lad on mm. Twitter. You can be a spy, Tim. Good, good, good. If you <laughs> if you said Tim Matum, you could also be a spy by the new rules. Yeah, you fine. need to yeah. use your real name, Tim. Real name, fake name, you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find all my stuff uh, wittering on about nonsense on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah. I feel like Chambers, JLW Chambers, doesn't quite work. <laughs> Chambers Jack Chambers, I think. Could be. Yeah. I think you've yeah. got the most spy name of us all. Chambers Jack Ooh. Chambers sounds like somebody who is actually serving the government. <laughs> Hello, Chambers <laughs> Jack Chambers here. It's like, is that your full fucking name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, don't have like that. I'm just Chambers Chambers. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with some more inter-season goodness. See you then. Ding, 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 ding